Rolling Dice and Taking Names is sponsored by The Broken Token, creator of high-quality gaming accessories and storage solutions. Visit them online at thebrokentoken.com. Hey, y'all. It's time for another episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. Today, the guys review Arkham Horror LCG from Fantasy Flight Games. Now that's one LCG Marty just might get me to play. Plus, Marty also interviews some of the publishers at the GTS Come and Play event. But I ain't helping him sort those cards. Hello, and welcome to Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This is episode 105. Creep! This is Marty. And this is Tony. Tony, this was a good choice for this episode. This is the Radiohead song I assume that you're talking about. Uh, Yes, it is, but actually I prefer the postmodern jukebox version, actually. I was actually going to bring that one up because if you haven't heard that one, the postmodern jukebox version of Creep is absolutely phenomenal only second to dream on dream on is also phenomenal for those who who don't know about postmodern jukebox it's this swing band uh, that takes modern songs and reconstructs them as like 20s 30s 40s style songs so good i highly recommend going to their youtube channel and checking them out in fact uh, last year my son adam went and saw them live in concert oh cool said it was phenomenal oh and by the way we are actually in my basement recording it's rare for us to record face to face but we're doing it this time because we just finished doing our final play of the arkham horror lcg Mm -hmm. and we wanted to record our review right now while it was still fresh in our minds so we're going to do this entire episode live well live for me and him because we're actually looking at each other but recorded for you that are listening so anyway along those (laughs) proverbial lines where he is struggling actually we have recorded more live together this year than we have in the past three years if you think about it because we recorded live at mega moose con yes uh we recorded uh live at the game show at the game store uh, a couple weeks ago yes and then we've also recording live now that's three pretty freaking impressive and i'm pretty sure didn't we record at uh, Origins something? No, we did not do anything at Origins this past time, did we? No, we did not. No, we just went around and recorded some people and got some of their thoughts, but you and I didn't record uh, part of the show. So I just got back from the GTS Come and Play show. I know you did in Atlanta. I couldn't go. I was so looking forward to that. Everything was set in motion. And then something happened here in Charlotte and I had to stay behind at work. How was Hotlanta? It was really good. And we'll get to what the show was about in another episode. But I got to play a lot of really cool games there. Games that I think that you may like. You like your card style games, right? Love my cards. Man, I got to play so many of those. In fact, if you look to your left, that game right there, Pocket Madness from Passport Games, Mm -hmm. is a really cool rummy style game. Ooh, rummy. Yeah. rummy. The theme is just kind of put in there, but the thing is, is you have cards two through 12, and during your turn, you either draw cards, you play runs two Mm -hmm. through 12, or matches of three or more cards. The cool thing is, is if you play matches of three or more cards, there is a Elder god for each number so if you play a set of fours you take the elder god with the four and if it's a set of eights take the one with the eight and they have special abilities and on your turn you could do things like maybe pass steal cards from somebody else if you play a run two through twelve you give everybody else a madness okay first time you do that everybody gets one madness the second run that's played everybody gets two madness so there's this timing thing is maybe you don't want to be the first one to do the run because you want to give more madness later on let other people do the runs 
First person gets to 10, the game is over, the lowest amount of madness wins. Really simple, straightforward, but I really enjoyed it. Sounds really good. I can't wait to give it a try. Now, I will say one thing. This time of year, you know, it's really special, things like that. But I cannot wait for that day to get over. I'm tired of it. I want it gone. I'm, I, what, I'm Halloween? Just, no, elections. <laughs> I mean, in all honesty, I you cannot turn on the TV without seeing a whole bunch of ghouls. <laughs> we are not a political commenting show, but here in North Carolina, I'm tired of it. I'm sorry. I am absolutely freaking tired of it. I went and early voted. Good I for you. I assume that if I show my early vote sticker, does that filter every political ad where I never have to watch another one? I don't know. My mailbox got like seven of them today. I mean, no, nowhere in no time, yes, we were squirreling but that's what we do i have never known to actually know the names of the people who are running for treasurer of the state of north carolina didn't know that and yet i'm getting ads because of all the other uh, distractions that are going on here i'm like oh my gosh the treasurer well who's this i didn't even know we had one in north carolina i just thought it happened so anyway i can't wait election gets over in a couple of weeks that's awesome how did we get from pocket madness to this? I was, you were talking about uh, Cthulhu type madness, that kind of stuff, which led me to Halloween, which set me up for the joke. Oh, that was a joke. Almost. <laughs> <laughs> Almost as big a joke as the elections. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, moving okay, on. Big Bang GTS. So, some other really cool card games I played. Have you heard about Fuji Flush? From Stronghold Games. Yes, I have. I'm excited to see that. Well, uh, we're going to get a copy of that one. Good. That one and Fabled Fruit. We played about 10 games of Fuji Flush. It is so straightforward. There are cards numbered uh, one through uh, two through 20. It's bottom heavy, so there's more twos than there are 20. On your turn, you play a card or your dealt out cards. The whole goal is get rid of all the cards in your hand. Okay. All right. So cards are played. If a card is played underneath a higher card, nothing happens. Mm -hmm. If you play a card that's higher than any card on the table, that person picks up their card and has to draw a card. So basically, they didn't net anything that turn. Right. And, the, and isn't the object to get rid of everything in your hand? Yes. Okay. Yes. So there's that uh, dynamic going on. The cool little twist is, is if you match somebody else's card, let's say, for example, a nine is on the table. If you play a five, you go under the nine, nothing happens. If I play a five, the same number, they add together, making a 10. The person who has the nine has to discard theirs and uh, draw another card. If it gets all the way back around to you, you, me, and whoever else played a five gets to flush everything off the table. Okay. So it's just another mechanism of getting rid of your cards, but there's this element of you actually helping other people and working together. It is a cute, quick game. It plays about four or five minutes. If you got a family or friends that really enjoy card games, Pocket Madness, Fuji Flush, and yet another one, the, the Fuji Flush is by Friedman Freeze. Mm -hmm. uh, there's another one he recommended uh, too called Five Cucumbers. Heard of this. Yeah, it really kind of looks like X Nimit. You know, yeah. there's bulls mm -hmm. on the cards. On here, there's pickles on the cards. And the idea trick is that trick taking, oh. trick taking. And at the, the very last trick, whoever has the highest card gets those number of pickles. Mm -hmm. After somebody gets five pickles, they're out of the game. So it's kind of a player elimination thing. Again, you know, I went to this show, explained to play all these really cool games. I ended up playing all these really cute, quick card games. So, Fuji Flush, five few five foo cumber, five cucumbers, and Pocket Madness are are three just really fun little card games people should check out. I love my card games. Now I even you know mentioned Stephen. I'm like, will Fuji Flush take care of diamonds for me? We'll see. 
I can't wait to compare the two because I still, I love diamonds. The great thing about Fuji Flush, it plays up to eight. And Ooh. actually, the more people to play, the more fun it is. Three is too few. Four is kind of too few. Five, six, seven is really sweet because there's a lot of cards being played at that time. And diamonds, you can play up to six. So it's, right. uh, so it's still, that's great. I love card games that can go, you know, six, seven, or eight. Those are always fun to deal with. And, and those are a joy. What else? Anything else going on down there in Atlanta? Did Chevy behave himself? Uh, he did. I got to room with Chevy Dodd from Portal Games. Chevy, thank you so much for letting me uh, room with you. Chevy snores. <laughs> But he let me know that I snore, so it must have been a snore fest during the night. Well, if he's snoring, how'd he hear? Anyway, he ain't got you. Well, anyway, so yeah, one of us woke each other up uh, during the course of the night. It was it was a great time. We'll be talking a little bit more about it later in the show. Some of the things I saw on a basically what is the GTS come and play, I'll share that. And then I'll actually share some interviews I had with some of the publishers that are there for the whole purpose of showing retailers the new games that are going to be coming out. Now, I do want to bring everybody's attention to, just want to quickly mention this, that the Jack Vassal Memorial Fund is going on over at Board Game Geek. And, you know, the last time I checked uh, before the show, I mean, there were over 20-plus pages of items that are out there. But one I really, really want to bring everybody's attention to is, number one, where Tom got Mechs versus Minions uh, donated along with 10 games from S, and that thing is skyrocketing that's you know item number one amazing it was at 800 like two days ago it was, wow it was it was amazing but then of course you have the rolling dice and taking name item that we are putting out there now i want to be clear here guys that this item it's not going to be where marty and i are showing up to play games we're not going to subject you to that but potentially we, potentially you put it in there i put it in there all right you never do know how but that's the secondary that's thing. secondary you're absolutely right we are by the way this is item number four nine eight six six nine three that's four nine eight Six that's, six nine. Well, that's three. the item list comment, number. What's yeah? That's the item list. But what's uh, the actual four, number? Four fifty eight. Four fifty eight. Four fifty eight. So yeah, if you do the list number on there, but go to, better. Yeah, just go to our guild and click on the link. That's it's a box of squirrels. That's it. And can you explain what by box of squirrels? Because I assume we're not going to send a box with like air holes in it and then a bunch of uh, like little rodents. Well, I thought about that because I'm really tired of them in the backyard. They're getting all nasty again. But anyway, no, basically it's Marty and I are going to put together a, at minimum, a large flat rate box, uh, priority box, and stuff it full of our favorite things. That could be some food. That could be who knows what else? Maybe a couple games, maybe some accessories. It could be a homemade thing that maybe I come up with or Marty Please comes don't up. let it be a strike mat. If they own strike, it could be a strike <laughs> mat. I don't know. Vanessa could make some of her chocolate truffle and we could <laughs> stick that in, the in box, there. Yeah. And I will not check as the USPS. Is this perishable? No, it's fine. It's good. Trust me. It'll be there in plenty of time. But that's what we're going to do. Now, didn't you love buying those as a kid, those boxes? Or bags that you go into Woolworths or something, and you'd pay a dollar, and you oh. didn't know. Yeah. So they, so there was some vendor doing that at Gen Con. Uh -huh. There was this uh, the box at the back. It was just like it was a cube with question marks on it, and people were just buying those things like crazy with wondering what are they going to get inside this box. It's like the loot crates. You know what those yeah. are, the monthly things? It's that sort of thing. But this is our own kind of loot crate. Tony and I have been talking about things we're going to put in there. I'm staring at some games and stuff we're talking about. We're going to make, we're going to cram every inch of space of that box with something. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, we're just going to throw tons of stuff at it until we can just barely seal it. And like Tony said, that's the minimum size box. If we end up finding even more stuff, maybe we'll go to a larger box and we'll just eat the postage ourselves and send it out there. Because of that, it is U.S. only because we're going to send this uh, pretty massive box. The secondary part of the thing was if the person who wins this happens to be at one of the cons that we're at. We would love to sit down and play a game with you too, but that's not the primary thing. We'll still do it, but the big thing is our box of squirrels, which I think you originally was going to be called Box of Wonder. Box of Wonder. But Tom stole that. That was not or we, Yeah, he took that, so we had to change it. But Box of Squirrels makes more sense for us anyway. Exactly. Because it's just random things inside of a box. And you came up with that idea. I was going with a box of great stuff. But that's okay. And yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. So right now, tentatively, you know, Marty will probably, he's thinking about Origins. I, of course, am going to the Rocky Mountain Gaming Vacation uh, before Origins. Uh, Gen Con, hopefully both of us will be there at least Friday and Saturday. And then, of course, we'll see what rolls out. Definitely Mega Moose Con in the Charlotte area as well as Mace, which we're going to talk about later in the show. Mace East will be out as well. And Marty, you know, if they live within a reasonable distance of Charlotte, North Carolina, it ain't nothing for us to load it up in the car, come to their house, eat their food, and play games. <laughs> we'll be glad to eat your food for you. I know. We'll hand deliver the box, save us some shipping. So boys in the Charlotte area, hey, bid on in there. We Actually, it's going into a great, great fund and we thank all those who have actually bid on it already and thank you for looking at it plain and simple just thank you for looking at it and even considering it yeah it's a, it's a great thing there's a lot of great things out there so go check out the whole 20 pages there's a lot of different things that you can bid on another thing too tony and what the secret cabal just released an episode that we were excited to be a part of yeah that's right <laughs> it was a radio drama a reenactment of the story of dunnich horror from hp lovecraft and tony and i had a couple parts in there granted i think some typecasting was going on just tony, a little <laughs> because uh the, our character names were coot number one yes. and coot number two which was myself yeah, that's right. And now I tried, I think, Marty, four voices, five voices as I was, you know, driving home one day saying, well, which one I go with? And I researched and do all that. And, and basically people say, you're going to sound like you sound when you get older. You're not going to change a whole lot. So I went with it. So sure enough. And I'm taking some flack for that, but that's okay. <laughs> well, I wasn't trying to sound like myself. I actually want to try to sound like something different. I came up with three voices, recorded them all and played them back to Vanessa. And she picked the one that she thought I should use. And that's the one I went with. The first one I did, it was pure sling blade. It was so sad. Mm, going to give me some biscuits. <laughs> actually, that would have been kind of funny. Mm, so anyway. anyway, so a lot of other of our friends are on this. Rodney makes an appearance. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> doing a southern accent which actually he didn't butcher too bad uh, it, it, it was okay and then there's rob and patrick from blue peg pink plague plus incredible chris jamie and steve are the main actors of this thing jamie did a fantastic job putting this show together great sound effects and music worth checking out uh it's again it's on the secret cabal channel i uh, go listen to that it was a lot of fun jamie had fun doing it he did one last year as like tales of the grave i believe is something like that and this was number two and he plans on doing it again uh, hopefully next year and maybe he'll ask us back we'll see well as long as he's got old people in it he'll probably definitely <laughs> ask us back i know that's how that works for him so i posted over in the guild a question about what would you do if somebody wants to house rule yes uh, and i want to explain that a little bit you know there's a poll going on do you um take it or not the reason why this came out 
I got my wife and our neighbors to play mechs versus minions again. Sure. And I was like, okay, hour long, we're doing mission number two. Okay. Okay. You know, the game plays fairly fast. Yes. Once you know how to play it. Sure. You you know, you're drafting cards, you're scouting, you do the actions, the minions move, the minions attack, yada, yada, yada. I mean, it's six simple steps. Let's go. It took us three hours. Three hours for the second mission? How could you have not failed before then? Because the draft, they said, we're not using the hourglass. That's the whole purpose of the hourglass. I know it is. But I was like, really? Okay, fine. I'm not complaining. Thank you for playing it with me. And Donna later said, I still don't know. I, I really like this game, but then I just hate that it takes so long. And I'm like, mm, you're right, baby. It does. And it, it does not take long if you play it correctly. That's the whole purpose because even when we were playing this game and we thought, okay, I see an issue because in the first tutorial mission, you don't use the timer. That's right. And I remember first saying, all right, guys, we're going to have some serious AP. There's going to be some serious problems. And sure enough, in the very first mission, they say, oh, that timer that you've been using as your first person marker. Now, when you draft, flip it over, you have 40 seconds to draft, go. And it just flies. But the, here's the thing that you, after a while, you learn all the cards. You ought to kind of know what you want during the draft. You would think there's only what, 12 cards. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, I'm just saying after a while, you kind of know, I want a, um, oh my gosh, I forgot the names of the cards. But anyway, Cyclotron. Yeah, let's say. Skewer. I'm really, I'm really a Cyclotron or a, a Skewer. So if it comes out, you go, okay, leave me the Skewer. Ripsaw. I mean, yeah. I mean, so you can quickly talk about it as these cards come out. I know. Use the timer, everyone. Use the timer. Please. And you know, it's a dead heat on the tie between, no, we're going to stick to the rules versus, yeah, we'll just go with it, punt and go with it. And then the following night, we had a great Ticket to Ride with Asia event where I taught some people Ticket to Ride and we were playing the teams. It was great. Got slaughtered. Uh, My team got slaughtered. Donna's team won. Guess how long that took? How long? Three hours. Oh my gosh. Don't you want to have game night with me? Because last week we got some people and we played Eldritch Har. Whoa, that's a six-hour event. Did you break my insert, by the way? Oh, my gosh. I don't know if anybody saw this on, on Twitter. As I'm getting ready to go out of the house with Eldritch Har, I pick up the box and don't have my fingers underneath the bottom of it. Uh. And then I just pick up the lid, and it just rolls right off the table. And there's parts all over the place. And for anybody that has Eldritch Har, there are a lot of little pieces in that game. Yes, there are. So it took me a while to clean up. Yes, it, it was a longer game. It took us like three, four hours or so. But Eldritch that's Har that's well, that, well, that's one of those games that steamrolled us. It was one of this. We actually just stopped because we knew this game is over. You know, it kind of gets that point passing their returns. Like there's no recovering from this, and that's we we, we came back from. But I still love that game. I've been playing a lot of these, you know, Cthulhu themed games uh, for Halloween. Speaking of which, that's what our big review is. We're going to be covering the brand new game from FFG, Arkham Horror, the LCG. Tony and I were very privileged to get an early copy from FFG. Uh, We're going to be doing a full review of this game. And at first I said, Tony, let's do a five-minute initiative. And he said, there is no way we can give that game the time it uh, needs or the coverage it needs in just five minutes. And, And I agree. So guys, sit back. Here a tale of us tell you about Arkham Hara and the card game from Fantasy Flight Games. The Broken Token has introduced several new inserts, one of them being the Long Winter Organizer, which is for the dead of winter, 
the long night, not the long dark night. Or was it the long dark night? I don't remember. It's the long night because I kept making fun of the name and therefore <laughs> now it's going to stick to me. Long dark night. Yeah. Yeah. It's the long night. Anyway, so they have an insert for that, which includes uh, that and the base game. The scythe organizer, lots of pieces in that game. So now there's a new organizer for Is that it. for the f- big one or for the standard one? The one that came with all the mega pieces? Yes, Tony. It actually fits either the retail or the Kickstarter collector's box. Wow. So it's everything, which is which is really cool. And then an insert for Splendor. Brand, and we actually saw that. Uh, I saw that at uh, was it Origins of Gen Con. It was at Origins. Yeah, we saw an early preview of that. So that is now. So if you want to check out uh, the new insert for the Dead of Winter plus this expansion, Scythe Splendor, go out and check out thebrokentoken.com. Since we first heard rumor of this game earlier this year, I have been so excited about the Arkham Horror LCG. Now, it was not confirmed until right before Gen Con, and then it was like, oh, this is going to be so good. Tony and I love our LCG games. Tony and Lo, I love our co-op games, which is why we really have enjoyed Lord of the Rings. So we couldn't wait to see uh, what this game was about. And Tony's one of those things when we first saw, it's like, we must try this game. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. I mean, not like we need another card game, like we need another hole in the head, but we definitely, I mean, it's it's a theme we both enjoy. We, we've enjoyed, I like Elder Sign, Elder Tar, uh, Arkham Horror, not one of my favorites, but it's it's they're all incredible themes. And also, I've always looked at the Cthulhu version of, well, not version, but the game that Fantasy Flight had. I was always interested Call in it. Call of Cthulhu, Call which Cthulhu. is a competitive game. Right, a competitive game. And I was like, man, I wonder how this plays out. So, yes, you bring together the co-op version you or the co-op mechanic along with the Arkham Horror. And it's one of those things that Tony and I, are, you know, we talked about doing an extended review because card games are just our thing. We got into this hobby through CCG. So we've always had an affinity towards card games and opening cards and sorting cards and building decks. So this was right up our alley. It's one of those time, one of those things we just need to give some time to. So uh, some uh, quick overview. The game plays one to four players, which I think is important. Mm-hmm. So it does play solo and it plays about 60 to 90 minutes. Now tell me what they said. Their goal of this game was to combine an LCG that is an RPG. And we've played several games of this. I've played solo. I think they're pretty close to achieving what they want to do. I think you will get the most benefit out of the RPG side of it, especially when it comes to like adding to your deck and the mechanics around that. And playing the campaign mode. Playing the campaign mode, yes, exactly. Like, do you get to do this or do you do that? Yes, those are great effects and something that is different than any of the other LCGs that we've played. Yeah, and I think it's one of those things that probably people may want to hear, how does this compare to The Lord of the Rings? And as we talk about this, we'll show some similarities and difference between the two because I think there was some fear that this was just a Mm re-skinning of The Lord of the Rings game, but I really don't feel that at all. No, I, I didn't either. I mean, at first, when we started playing it, the first time we sat down and played, I was like, oh, this is nothing the same. Flip a card, see if you can advance. Can you go down to that location? Yada, yada, yada. Play a few cards here. But I began to feel like, no, it's not. It's it's not that re Skinning that I was scared it was going to be. There and was that's more your second it. time you've said yada, yada, yada tonight. Did you watch that Seinfeld episode or something? No. Did I say yada, yada, yada? Yeah, yada? you've already said it. That's three? Times. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's my third mention. Anyway. So, moving on. One big difference between this and Lord of the Rings is in Lord of the Rings, you have three heroes and then you have allies and that's part of your deck. 
The RPG element of this game really comes into play because you're not controlling a team. You're playing as the investigator themselves. So it's like you're the active person that's playing this game as opposed to like as opposed to like sitting above the game and controlling the heroes and allies that are on the board like Lord of the Rings. So the deck that you build, and it's an unlimited size deck, which is another difference. It's only 30 cards. All has to do with your investigator. And there are different types of um, investigators out there. There's different classes. There's guardians, mystics, rogues, seekers, and survivors. And they all do special things. The guardian is really good at fighting. And uh, the rogue is good at sneaking around and agility checks. There's these different stats everybody has that that changes for each of those different classes. Some are just better at them than the others. And because of that, you can take on whatever role that you want to take in this game. You're absolutely right. I mean, that's one of the neat things about these characters versus Lord of the Rings. They have the various skill sets with them. I mean, you've got to check your will. Well, they have the abilities of willpower, intellect, combat, and agility. What's so neat about this game, if you've played Eldritch, you've played uh, the other things, there's these skill tests. They have the same icons. Maybe they're called different things. And here, the book is intellect. I think in other games, the book is lore. Uh, but the thing is, is you're always, you have this value and you have to meet or exceed that value when you, when you do a check, which is another difference yes. between Arkham Horror LCG and Lord of the Rings. Exactly. and But I'm not sure where you were going because I'm, I'm fixated on the skill checks and how you do the skill check. Well, because what you do is when you do the skill check, you actually pull tokens out of a bag. Now, that is really unique. And some people, that may be a turnoff. Uh, typically in all Arkham Har, Elder Char, those types, you're rolling dice, right? Exactly. And basically fives or sixes are successes and you have to get, uh, you know, so many successes maybe, or Mansions of Madness. That's the one we most recently played. It's about rolling dice and doing that sort of thing. Here you're pulling tokens out of the bag and the tokens are graduated from like plus two down to minus three, four, five. And you're pulling just a random token out of a bag and you add that to your skill and you have to exceed a certain amount. So let's say you're, you're investigating and your investigation skill is a three, but you got to meet a four threshold. You better pull a plus one to meet it. Otherwise you're going to fail. So every single check from fighting and other skill things are based on pulling tokens out of the bag and comparing against those base stats, which you mentioned. Right. And then one of the neat things is if you don't think you're going to pass or you want to ensure it, You've got cards in your hand. Yep. And if you play those cards, they have the icons on the left side mm-hmm. that they can then add to those skill checks. Or there's actually skill cards for the sole purpose of trying to help you pass skill test. So it's part of your deck building. If there's a certain skill that maybe you're lacking in, then maybe you need to put cards in your deck to help uh, to effectively help you. But that's one cool thing about the co-op. And we haven't got to the locations yet, which is really cool. But if you're in the same location, you can actually help your other, other person out. You can discard a card on their behalf with one of those icons on the left, like you mentioned, which will increase their skill by one. Now, locations in Lord of the Rings, you know, you're you're going through there. And I always go back to our original Lord of the Rings, the TCG. Yes. You know, going down and exploring the path. But you were actually physically moving between cards and going between locations. And that's how I feel with Lord of the Rings and the same thing here. I don't feel like that with Lord of the Rings. The reason why is because with Lord of the Rings, you had that encounter section in the middle, which just has multiple locations. And when you quested at the end, you had the chance. Do you want to take one of those locations and go to it? Thematically, I just I just didn't ever feel that. Those locations were in there in the middle, adding threat that you need to get rid of. So you need to travel to them. But you always traveled as a party. 
Mm-hmm. So you're always going to the same location and the same location may give you a benefit or something, but you had to put uh, clue tokens or tracking tokens, questing tokens, there's the word, on those before you could go back to the main objective. Here, the whole purpose of the locations is to try to build a map, a map with cards. Again, this game is about telling a story. And we're not going to give away a lot of this of spoilers, but in the very first mission that you play, it starts inside of a house. And you're actually starting inside of a study. And every location is going to have clues on them. And you investigate to try to get those clue tokens. And uh, when you do, you might be able to turn those clue tokens in to the objective. And we'll talk about those in a second too. There's the act and agenda cards. You're trying to get to the act of the story. But what's so cool about the locations is when you go to a location, it basically maps out where you can move between location cards. So for example, in that first scenario, there's a hallway. Everybody goes into the hallway. And at that same time, they also say, put out the parlor, the attic, and the cellar. Now, what's neat is at the bottom of the hallway, there's a list of icons. And basically, you can move from that location to any other card that matches one of those icons. So the attic has a certain icon like a circle. And the cellar has an attic, uh, has an icon like a square. The hall has both of them, so you can move between them. But what's cool is in the cellar or the attic, you can only move back to the hall. So you can't jump from the cellar to the attic. You must move through. So now these cards are actually physically creating a map that you as the investigator on your turn can move between these rooms. Yeah, and so from Mansions of Madness, that's where they are essentially building the same type of map for you through the cards. And if you're as anal as I am, you lay them out the certain way that you need to do. And you can see that. Mm-hmm. Shoot, Marty, if you wanted to, you could break out your Mansions of Madness and probably put out the tiles and put out the little plastic investigators. I know you guys still have those locations or cards because there's the, the the shroud effect where in order to investigate and get a clue to help advance through the agenda um that you've got to collect these clues through the investigation or the act sorry the act that you've got to investigate so you need those numbers but i mean you can bring all this together if you want to and help enhance the game but yeah it's exactly that's the feeling i got after playing mansions of madness when i played this i'm like i'm building a map i'm investigating and thematically it works for me i can see that i'm going from room to room to room and i just can't magically appear or teleport to the other thing like that there's so much they can do with that effect they, there's so much that they can build upon with the rooms you can even build your own scenarios if you wanted to if you hook enough rooms together it's a possibility and i'm sure the, the community will probably start doing some of those things on their own is, is kind of building their own scenarios that uh, you can be able to play through but another thing i like about the locations um is that position matters meaning that if you and i are in the same room we can help each other if we're different rooms we can't thematically that makes total sense you know, if a, if a monster spawns in your room, it'll engage you and leave me alone because I may be in another part of the house or wherever the location is. That's totally different from Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings, everybody goes to that location and you're always together. You can never split the party. Here you can, which is something else as part of the campaign. You have to make these decisions during our game. Tony, do you want to go to the cellar and I'll go to the attic? And we split, but there's always that worry is what if we split and a monster shows up that we need to help killing or something? There's the phases. You have the mythos phase, right? Which is? Which is at the start, except in round one, you go out, you advance, you put a doom tracker on the agenda. Uh, agenda. The agenda is the set of cards that's basically the game playing against you. You don't want that deck to advance. Then each investigator draws a card from the encounter deck. Right. 
which is bad. The encounter deck is bad. And the encounter deck is also the same thing as in Lord of the Rings. So you're drawing that encounter deck and you may, monsters may show up, bad things may happen. You may have to do skill tests. You may become inflicted some way. Like you get fearful. We had one where a fog showed up in a room and it was hard for us to see. So it was harder to investigate. So thematically that was kind of cool. So these encounter decks are challenging you. Like you said, that's the part of the game where now you against the game. Then the investigator phase goes into it. We've already mentioned investigate. That's one of the actions. You can move between rooms. That's an action. One of my favorite aspects of this is you can draw a card. Oh my gosh. And I'm glad you hit on that because that is so important. You get three actions per turn. In Lord of the Rings, at the beginning of the phase, you got to take put a resource on each of your heroes out there and draw one card. That was all that was built into you drawing cards. And that was the thing that frustrated me the most tony was not being able to draw cards or ability without maybe putting a card in your deck that allows you to do something with this game you automatically get to draw a card and get one resource uh, when you do your upkeep phase but then after that you can spend actions to either draw a card or get a resource in case you're trying to go through your deck finding something or you want to build up a pool of resources in order to buy something. And that is totally different Lord of the Rings, and I'm so glad it's in this. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've always felt card-starved in Lord of the Rings. It was just frustrating to me and to the point where you're wasting cards in your deck to try to get cards and and oh my gosh maybe we need to play bilbo in this just so he can generate the card for us or whatever but yeah so that is an awesome thing then of course you can activate an effect on a card you can play a card or an asset you can then you know of course there's always the ability if you've got a monster which is my favorite thing you can evade the monster that's kind of a neat effect and how's that different than fight well evade is pretty simple he's standing over there and you sidestep them you 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 do the iggy shuffle everybody go quick google that you can evade the monster so that he becomes not engaged with you and he becomes exhausted that's one of the fun things about this and that you get this choice you don't always have to fight when you got a monster engaged with you you don't have to do that no there are but you do have to do one or the other or the monster all automatically attacks you which I think is another interesting concept if a monster is engaged with you and it's in your threat area basically it's, it's in front of you saying you have to deal with it you got to fa- evade it or you got to fight it and if you don't then it's going to take an attack of opportunity and it actually hit you so you, there's how you deal with the monsters you can fight you can evade you talked about uh, playing a card playing an asset another cool thing about this uh, being an RPG type thing and assets are like items and you can only carry certain amount of items you can you only got two hands so guess what you can only if your asset requires hands you can only play uh, two cards that have one hand apiece or if it's like a double a two-handed weapon you can only have one of those. Uh, you can only have one accessory, like a necklace or something. Um, you can only have one ally in play. So there's these slots, and that's what they call them. There's slots that you can put these assets into place, which is basically kind of building out your character. It's so neat to do that in the uh, throughout the whole card things. helps build your deck. And from that standpoint, you're like, oh, man, what do I want to do? Because once again, you got to decide, do I want to help keep this card in my hand to help me on a skill test or does it need to go down there on the table? And in fact, one of the, uh, the prime examples of like a couple different assets, like in uh, one of the characters I was playing, he had a, a 45 pistol in one hand and a flashlight in the other. So the flashlight was used for making it easier to investigate and find clues. Very thematic. You're shining a light, looking around. And then you had the uh, the, the pistol in, in the other hand. Now you had a deck the other night that we played that you actually had a two-handed item and I can't remember what Bad. that was. 
the bat. So you couldn't hold a bat and a flashlight. Well, you could, but they were well, no, saying you, you can't. Could. No, you can't because the bat required had the two hand icon on there. I agree, but in real life, but then this game. Oh my god! Oh, give, gosh. Well, let's be honest. You can't swing it with as much effect as you could if it's. I mean, one handed, you can't hit the ball out of the park with a one handed swing. That's just silly. You're not going to do the damage. Lucille demands two hands. <laughs> Plain and simple. Too soon. Too soon. Too soon. All right. Anyway, so we're done with the investigators. You've done your three actions. I've done now. Oh, 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 don't forget this. It doesn't mean that Marty's the lead investigator, but that doesn't mean he goes first. Love this part too. Basically, you decide who goes first, but you're always the lead investigator. So if Marty's the lead investigator, when it says the lead investigator has to do this, he's got to do that. But let's say it's more beneficial for me to take the first three actions than it goes to me. But Marty's still the lead investigator. Love that. And if you're playing four player, you haven't got to go in order. It's basically uh, we can decide who should go first, who should go second, et cetera, in order to try to uh, achieve what we're what we're trying to go towards. And again, it's kind of hard for us to talk about what you're trying to achieve because you're playing through a a campaign. You're playing a story. And that's one thing I really recommend playing this game. Read the flavor text. If you aren't reading the flavor text, then you aren't getting advantage of this game. It was so exciting to read the acts, setting up the story for us, and then what we're trying to achieve. And that the act deck is the one we're actually trying to work our way through. And like for the first scenario, the idea is you have to put so many clue tokens on the card to advance the act. So you're trying to go to room to room, investigate, pick up clue tokens, Put them on the uh, act deck to advance those cards to get to the end. Meanwhile, the agenda tokens over there is collecting a doom token every time. And once it gets to a certain amount, it moves on to its next agenda item, which is usually going to be something very bad. But again, all this has flavor text and is explained to you what's going on in the story. And it just really brings the game to life. And unlike where maybe Mansions or Arkham, and this is where you can insert the third yada, but it's kind of like you get to the point where it's like, I don't want to read. Here, you really need to. You need to do that. Now, I admit, if you go back and replay it yeah. you may, with the same people, you may avoid it. But you're right. And it's not long-winded. It's not... It's it's quick. It's to the point. Uh, I really enjoyed that, and I think that's a good um, sign of, um, of of bringing you into the game when the when the flavor text is not something you just want to go. Yeah, right. He's got a gun. Well, it's a big deal because as you get towards the end, there's multiple resolutions. What we found out tonight was in our game there was actually three resolutions. You had the you had choices that you can make. You we could do this. Or we could do that. And I don't want to say what it was because I don't want to spoil it. But each one had different results. If the agenda deck gets too far, it resolves a certain way. And at the end, win or lose, you're supposed to log those results. The book, the storybook actually tells you, don't read this till the very end. And when you're done, it says, okay, which one of the resolutions did you pick? And then it tells you, okay, you're going to get this much XP, write this in your log. There's a campaign log. You're supposed to write everything and track everything. And then from that, it will progress the story from one part uh, to the next, uh, which again, just helps build the story, helps build the campaign, uh, which is what this is all about. And talking about um, getting to the end, one thing you can do between the scenarios is as you investigate rooms and as you kill monsters, you earn, earn victory points. The locations may have victory points on them. If So if you find all the clues, you get victory points. Killing monsters may give you victory points. Those are XP points or experience points that you use at the end of the game to update your deck. At that point, maybe you have four or five 
experience points that you can go through your cards and buy cards to replace ones that are already in your deck. That's how you build your deck over time. And again, that's that RPG element. Right. And it's, it is so neat to do that. Now, so the investigator phase is done. Let's move to the monster phase. Once again, another neat thing that I really like about the game is the fact that it's simple. Monster phase. If the monster is a hunter, he's coming after you. He's going to hunt you down. And then the monsters attack. You don't have to roll dice. You don't have to pull things from a bag. They're just going to hit you. That's what monsters do. I like that. Some people may not like it. They may want the chance, the randomness. Can it happen? Not me. I like that. It's simple to do. It moves the game along. You've got enough decisions, enough actions that you don't want this to prolong the game. Which again is totally different from Lord of the Rings because remember when the monsters attack, you got to draw an encounter card and you got to put it on top and then you flip it over. And if there's a shadow text, it affects what happens. So it makes the engagement, it kind of draws it out. And here it's just like, yeah, the monster and at the bottom of the card tells you you're going to take this much damage and this much horror, which remind, reminds me, just like in the other games, you're tracking two things. You're tracking your sanity and you're tracking your health you can either go insane or you can die and you can this can happen during the the campaign and um, if you die or go insane during the campaign you're out of that scenario but you can come back next time but what happens is is either your sanity or your health is decreased by one depending on whether you went insane or died again very cool so mm. you start out with less health or less sanity next term now if you take enough of those to where you run out of any sanity or or damage your character's dead gone and you have to build a new character deck in order to continue in the campaign once again very thematic at least you're not ripping up any cards or tearing no, anything no out cards being that. ripped That's up cool then you go into your reset phase bam you get in there you reset your actions reset any exhausted cards draw a card get a resource boom Back to the top. And that's really the entire phase. And so from all that, you're just trying to progress through the game. One thing I do like about this, this game scales very well because there's a, a per investigator icon uh, that's on these cards. Uh, so for example, in Lord of the Rings, when you went to a location, whether you're playing solo or four people, that was the number of quest tokens you needed to get to that location. Here, most of the locations or the things that you're going for is per investigator. So, for example, uh, on the act, if I may, need, if playing solo, you may need to put three clue tokens to progress the act. If you play with two people, it's per investigator, so you need six. So it does scale well by adding more people. It makes it a little more difficult, more people, and a little bit easier for less, especially if you want to play solo. And this is, I think, is a good solo game. All right. Any other? We've been mentioning all the pros as we went over how the game plays. Any other pros you want to mention? I think I've pretty well hit all mine. I'm, uh, there's only one left, but what about you, Marty? Are, are there any others? One thing I do really like this different Lord of the Rings also, there's four difficulties. And the difficulties are handled by adjusting what tokens are in that bag. So in the campaign that you're playing, it'll say, do you want to play easy, standard, hard, or expert? The easy mode puts less negative tokens in the bag the expert puts more negative tokens in the bag. Lord of the Rings had their nightmare mode where you could pull out some of the cards that made it tough, but there wasn't four of them. And you and I have played on the standard and we played on the easy. The easy was definitely easier because there was just less bad things in that token bag to happen. Another cool thing about that token bag is they also have some tokens that have icons on them. There's a card that you have for your scenario that says if you draw a particular icon, this particular thing happens. Again, this will help build some great story elements in the future by implementing those uh, tokens with the icons on them and to be able to use differently in different campaigns. 
That's pretty neat. Now, one of the things I was, I was thinking that maybe this would be a negative for me, but actually pro from the standpoint of replayability. Mm. I'll admit, once you investigate, you know what's going to appear in a room. Certain rooms are going to cause a negative effect as soon as you investigate them. Is that so bad? And I was like, you know, actually, no, that's not because that's not the, that's not where the big negatives are, where the big bad things are going to happen to you. That comes from the encounter deck. So, I mean, to me, does that decrease the replayability? No, it doesn't. I love the locations, you know, for me, I love the whole theme of it and how it builds the encounter deck, the speed of the play. It's all there for me. So a con, I guess maybe the biggest con is, is the same thing we've always said about fantasy flight. You include all the cards. Come on guys. Come on. If you want to build, you know, you can, you can buy, you're going, if you want to run it with what four people or how many boxes, I know I'm drawing a blank here for some odd reason. And you're looking at me like, what are you talking about? For one core set, you can play one or two investigators. You get two core sets, you can play three to four. Three to four. But it still feels like people are saying you need to buy two to help enhance the decks. Now, I don't know that. We don't have our boxes Well, here's the deck building mechanic. You can only have two copies of one card. Uh Uh-huh. One box will give you pretty much all you need to build one deck. Uh, Because I don't... I have to go back and check to see if there's one copy of... Maybe there may be some cards only have one copy. So if that's the case, that's maybe it. maybe yeah. you do want to include two core sets. That way you ha- could have two copies of every single thing. And, and I think that's what everybody was talking about. They went to the Fantasy Flight uh, demo up there that that's why you'd want two because once again, they didn't give you the... You, if you can have two, then put the two in the core set. I 100% agree because with games like Ashes and Versus, they give you multiple copies of everything you need in one core set. But it's better than what it used to be because you used to buy three. You remember oh. in Lord of the Rings, that that one special card, Celeborn Stone or whatever it was that everybody wanted only one copy Boromir's horn and so then you had to buy three core sets if you wanted three of that and they so at least it's gotten a little bit better it, it requires one less core set now. and netrunner you had to buy three to get yep. all the three special rares because you're going to get three in there yeah okay yeah fine we're nitpicking here but still that's a, to me and i that's what i expect i expect if you're going to give me a limit on the number of cards i can put just give me the the base the max I mean, yeah. give me the max there's no reason to keep I understand you want to make money, but come on. Really, that's not that bad. For me, I think the biggest con is probably going to be the rule books. Now, this is the typical FFG style of rule book where you have a learn to play and then the rules reference guide. Sometimes this works for FFG games and and sometimes it hasn't. In this case, I don't think it really worked as well as I had hoped. Here's the reason. The learn to play guide is a great way to get started, but it's not like you can pull the rules reference aside and play the game without looking at that and only using the learn to play. You're going to have to constantly go back and forth between the two books. In fact, Tony, for our first couple games, you and I had the rule books, perusing through them the entire time, making sure we understood how everything worked. One of the biggest things we had was monster engagement. How does it engage when it comes out? Who engages with the monster? How does it automatically engage? There were some timing issues we were constantly looking up. Now, the nice thing about this is, is once I understand the game, 
I won't have to use the rule books as often, and that con will kind of go away. The game does have a learning curve. It's probably not as steep as Netrunner, but it may be in the same vein as Lord of the Rings, and there was a little bit of a learning curve with Lord of the Rings. But let me give this one tip. The first time you start playing, take the rules reference, flip back to the back to the Appendix 2, where it has timing and gameplay, and as you play through each phase, follow it step by step. The reason why I say this is, you will make sure to do each step in the right order and you'll do each step correctly. I think that's very important because there's a lot of little steps that you may miss along the way in your in the in the enemy phase or the, the upkeep phase. You must do things in a certain order. Prime examples like the hunter must move first and then it engages. Make sure don't flip it. You don't engage monsters first and then the hunter moves. Uh, little things like that. So my tip to you is your first game, follow Appendix 2, step-by-step, every time until it just gets ingrained into your brain. The Appendix 3 actually breaks down each of the phase, so it's right there. It's easy to look at. If you don't understand a step of the uh, the phase, it'll explain it to you in detail. So keep those rule books beside you. Big help. And also, it has the timing windows, which, again, is very important in card games. When can I play this card? Uh, when can I activate this ability? The timing windows are all in the appendices of the rules reference, so keep that out. That's my biggest issue with the game. However, again, that issue will tend to go away when I understand the game better and better. Another thing that people may have an issue with is that it uses that token bag. Lots of games introduce randomness through dice rolls. Or in the case of Lord of the Rings, it was the shadow cards uh, that were applied uh, during enemy engagement. Here, all skill tests, the randomness are done with the tokens. Now, I like it because it's different. It's not a dice roll. It's not a card draw. It is a little bit different. I do like it because those tokens can be modified as far as changing the difficulty of the game. Uh, We don't know what they're going to provide in the future. Maybe they're going to provide different tokens with different icons that will change the game if you you draw that particular icon, which we talked about earlier. I don't have an issue with the tokens or that way to generate randomness, but I think some people may. Now, many people will have an issue with the game just because it's an LCG, as that has its own set of, I guess, problems. Some people look at this as problems. This is an investment. You're going to have to buy a core set maybe two core sets in order to uh, get into the game. That's only going to provide you three scenarios, just one campaign. So it's going to give you a taste of the game, but to really embrace it and get into the deck building, you will need to buy more expansions. You'll probably need to buy the deluxe expansion. Well, you have to. If you want to continue the campaign, you just can't jump in in the middle. If you want to play a campaign, you need to start from the beginning. So you have to buy the deluxe expansion. And if you want to continue that campaign, you must buy the many expansions that come after it. So it's an investment. It's an investment of money. It's an investment of time because it does involve deck building. You want to be able to tweak your deck and modify it and change it. And you do that outside of the game. Now, this is different from, say, Warhammer Quest, uh, the adventure car game, rest in peace. It went away too soon. The thing about that game was everything was in one box. And maybe we're going to have an expansion every so often, which we didn't get. Sad. Anyway, that's not an LCG. Everything was kind of in one box. So you can kind of modify and tweak your deck. Uh, as, as need be without constantly buying expansions. But this is an LCG, so there will be, people will see that as a con. Right. And I will say this, it's cheaper than Mansions. Oh, it's way cheaper than Mansions. So for me, I mean, yeah, I know they're two different games, but... Sure, but, but uh, it won't take you long to get to 100 bucks. I mean, if you get this on sale, you'll buy two core sets for 60 bucks. 
Then you'll buy the mini expansions or the deluxe expansion for another 20. So you're at 80. But let's say you just, you don't know. Which would you rather? I mean, I know there are two different types of stuff. It's playing cards versus doing an app and building a board and moving investigators. But the same core mechanics are there. I No, I agree. But don't you think that this game is more strategic than Mansions of Madness? Yes, I do. I think it's uh, I a think lot it's more. way more strategic, more tactical than Mansions of Madness. Mansions of Madness is really telling a story and you're rolling dice and hoping maybe some cards come up. Here, at least you can affect your luck somewhat by customizing your deck. You can have a plan. You can have plan of action to go in there. It's only 30 cards, just like Ashes. And we said one of the big thing about Ashes is after you draw your first five, there's only 25 cards left in that deck. You could probably get to the card with what you need, especially by spending actions to draw cards on your turn. So now you can come up with strategies to get through a scenario even easier. Mansions is really, it's like, okay, you're going to move. You're going to do this check based on the app. It's more about telling a story and probably less about strategy. And this has the story and strategy elements to it. I would agree with you. So overall for me is a game that I definitely have bought. I mean, so therefore it's a buy for me. But then again, we love our card games here. We love playing it. I'm looking forward to this. Um, will it replace Lord of the Rings? Actually, I think it might for me. You know what? It's funny that you and I, when we first played this, I asked you, will this replace Lord of the Rings? And you were kind of on the fence. Now we've played several more times since then. And I love Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah. I love the theme. I love that story. But if you just remove the themes of both and just look at the mechanics strictly, I think... Arkham Horror mechanically is a better game than Lord of the Rings. And I can see it being more accessible to me for the solo. I've tried Lord of the Rings solo and I just always feel like I'm not bringing enough to the table. You know, here I think I can. Yeah. And again, because it scales. Because with solo, there's going to be, uh, since it's a per investigator thing for a lot of the cards, it'll scale easier. I have played solo and I actually did okay with it. And the fact that you got five investigators in the core set and they all kind of do different things. Another cool thing is uh, I like the back of the card of the investigator tells you how to build your deck. It says you can only include this class or this class. It limits you. So that means making a building a deck is easier because it strips away a lot of the cards you can't even use. And you're just left with something to choose. For those who are not into deck building, Instead of having the pool, whole pool of cards there for you, it says, well, you can only use these sets of cards anyway. And it's probably, so that means it's probably easier to build decks for anybody. For me, it's a definite buy. And, you know, overall, I mean, come on, Agnes Baker, the waitress, come on. What kind of name is that? What? She's just one of the characters. Now, I hope to see a lot of the characters come out that's in the other games. And in fact, you're talking about, you know, maybe using Mansions and Madness for maps and, and everything. What I would like to do is go find the Arkham Horror figures for each of these characters and paint them up and use those to move around the locations as opposed to the card oh yeah i agree with you that'd be good and at least you don't have to worry about putting those models on a base or something nope they're all uh they're pre-assembled and everything or, or, or one unit so for me it's a buy i'm in i've i've got it i think we're going to be in this game for a while we probably getting ready to pre-order the deluxe and we'll go from there so that's it. If you guys are interested in an LCG, if you're okay with LCG and you like co-op games and you like the theme, I think mechanically this game works really well. They did a fantastic job of merging LCG with an RPG. I feel like I'm building my character. The stories are great. I can't wait, wait to play more. 
Portal Games. It's got Robinson coming out. Now, Marty, you got to see Robinson at GTS. Better components, smaller box. It's a normal size box. If you like Robinson, this is the one to get. The art looks great. Everything is just sturdier. The it, uh, just mm, primo. I can't wait to get a copy of this. Even though my wife is going to tell me this game's too hard. No, 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 no. Doesn't really matter. See, I'm I'm excited. I always liked Robinson. So once again, guys, go check out all the information at portalgames.pl on Robinson Death Breast. The expansion for uh, Cry Havoc that was announced 2017 is going to be huge for Portal as always. So be sure to go out and check out what they've got in store for you in 2017. But there's still no sunny day at the beach. So as you mentioned at the beginning of the show, I got to go to the GTS Come and Play, which is a retailer event. They have a lot of publishers come in there and invite retailers in to be able to see what games are going to be coming out from the publishers. And so they set up like an exhibit hall and they have these seminars talking about different things that are going on. But Tony, I was really surprised by something. You would think retailers would be on top of what the hot games are coming out. And I've come to find out that's not necessarily the case. There are some retailers out there who had never heard of or see Cry Havoc. Well, I mean, it's not mainstream. Come on, think about it. No, 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 no. I'm talking about game store owners. Really? Local game store owners. Do you take our business cards? Maybe we should have been listening to the show. <laughs> who, who never heard of Cry Havoc. And so I was talking to some of the publishers, and they said because some of these are just magic stores. They make their money off magic, and they don't keep up what's going on in the board game world. Okay. Again, another purpose of this show is to try to educate retailers of the hot games that are coming out. We're very fortunate to have two game stores near us that go and check the BGG hotness and see what the hot games are coming out. And they get those on the shelves when they come in. I was just surprised that some of these people don't track what the big board games are. Well, okay. I can understand that somewhat. I mean, you, you got to go to your audience, but you're right. Put at least a copy here or a copy there. Anything else surprise you? No, nothing else really surprised me. It was just kind of a really neat show to see how these retailers interacted with the publishers. And it wasn't like they could buy anything. The whole thing is, is just here's some of the games they have coming out. And then while there, they might can be able to place orders. Uh, or they're told of release dates that are coming out. In fact, I had a chance to go around and talk to several of the publishers and uh, get some information about some of the games coming out. And I think it's important and good to listen to this because a lot of these are going to be hitting the shelves before the holidays. So some of these will make really great Christmas gifts. So let's go listen to what some of the publishers are going to be putting out right before this holiday season. I'm here with Jared Miller from Mine Games. And Jared... What do you have on tap for us that's coming from CMON? I know you guys have a huge lineup, but specifically for this show, what is it you're really trying to push to the retailers? So what we're focusing on here at Come and Play is Unusual Suspects. So that is a new party game we have coming out actually November 11th. It is a game where you have a group, you have a big group. You can have up to 16 people playing this game. One person is a witness and they saw some type of crime, but they're not a great witness because they can't actually point out oh, that's the guilty person, right? They can only describe their personalities and interests. Like, these things where it's like they must have this superpower to know these things about these people, and the detectives themselves aren't that fantastic either because they have to function off these questions that they have on cards, right? And you're asking these to the witness, and it's things like, do they watch sports television? Something like that, right? And then the witness has a card that's a check and an X, meaning yes or no. 
they will show you those. They can't talk. They show you either the yes or the no. And so let's say that the guilty party loved watching sports television. We are now trying to eliminate out of 12 suspects in front of us on the table, which one we think doesn't because that's an innocent person. So any of our non-sports watching suspects that the detectives think that the witness thinks wouldn't watch them, <laughs> like those are the people we want to eliminate. Okay. So it's an interesting game of reading the table, right? So you have to read the witness and going, okay, who out of these people looks like a sports person? So if they're dressed like in sporty clothes, they probably watch sports television or that's what you might think they're thinking, right? So, and you're, you're so it's a, it's a fun game of getting to know everyone at the table, especially if you're playing with friends. And uh, there's also a majority where it kind of becomes an argument amongst the detectives because it's like, I think that person watches sports and it's like, uh, I don't think we do. So you have to get like a kind of majority vote. So it's just a fun, light party game that has people creating a lot of stories in their head about these characters they don't know anything about, right? Um, besides kind of what they're wearing and things like that. So that's that's our main thing. But we've also got other stuff. Um, we have things like Potion Explosion, which is out. Um, people are loving and we're very happy, you know. So we've got that here, making sure everyone knows about it. And then a few other upcoming things like uh, Cthulhu in the House and Rumble in the Dungeon, which those are coming up. Um, Looters, those are three kind of light board slash card games. And uh, things like some of our bigger stuff. So Crossmaster just came out, Arena 2.0, which is the second Crossmaster product we put out. Um, we're showing off some of Bloodborne, which is also coming up um, and has been getting great reviews. And um, just some of our more classics like Blood Rage and Zombicide. Now, we actually got to play Unusual Suspects at the CMON Expo earlier this year. And in fact, if you go search for a YouTube video, there's a bunch of us sitting around the table in case anybody wants to see how it's kind of played. Yeah, yeah. So it's definitely out there. Um, yeah, and I think, like you said, we have footage out there from us, and it's everyone is always having a good time. That's the amazing thing about that, because it starts kind of low-key, because there's a lot of thinking going on, and you're just, like, trying to figure some stuff out. But then it becomes, like, if you passed around without eliminating the wrong suspect, they're just, like, cheering, and it becomes tons of fun, right? So, yeah. Cool, cool. All right, so the final question is, of all the games released in 2016, what's one of the ones that you like the most that's not from CMON? So, I believe this came out in 2016. It's, it is Apotheca, and I believe Renegade Games is publishing that. I love that game. It is a um, kind of like, it reminds me of the Duke in the sense of, it, it plays more than two, but I think it's a great two-player game where you have these tiles that you're matching up and trying to get like three in a row, but you also have these different apothecaries that you have on your side of the table that they have different powers that tell you how you can manipulate the board. And um, that's such a fun, easy strategy game to get people into, but it has so much strategy in it when you start to do it. But it's a strategy that keeps you on your toes because you're constantly drawing these new apothecaries that are changing how you're playing your game. So I believe that came out in 2016. Um, I, know, I think it kickstarted in 2015, but it finally released in 2016. I love that game. So if it didn't, that's still my answer. Cool. Thank you so much, Jared. You're welcome. Thank you. All right, I'm with Scott Mars from Passport Games. And don't worry, Scott, I have Moon Pies coming to you soon. Yes! <laughs> so here's, here's the question. So we're here at the Come and Play Day, and we're kind of wrapping up the end of 2016. So what does Passport Games have coming out that they're showing to all the retailers here? Sure, we have a lot coming out between now and the end of 2016. Uh, the most immediate are two games, Quartz and Mythe, which were previewed at Gen Con and unfortunately got hit by the Hanjin shipping issues that have uh, occurred over the last couple of months. Uh, they were 
supposed to be out about maybe 45 days ago, so they were a little bit delayed. They're going to be coming out on November 11th. Uh, most people, I think, have heard about Quartz and Might from Gen Con. Lots of big raving for those. Both of them sold out there. Uh, then right on the heels of that, we have two games. Uh, one is from Funforge, which is Pocket Madness, uh, which is a Gin Rummy Cthulhu game. Uh, you're playing Gin Rummy where you're trying to discard sets or runs. If you discard sets, you can hear the other game in the background probably there. Everyone's having fun with that one. Um, when you discard sets, you get to invoke powers of the Elder Gods. When you discard runs, you get to give people madness. Once somebody has 10 madness, that triggers the end of the round. At the end of that round, whoever has the least amount of madness wins the game. Super fast. It's $20 price point. Literally fits in your back pocket, so it's easy to take on the go. So very fast, very quick. Great designer. Bruno Cathala. Most people know him. He's a phenomenal guy. I got to play that game and really, really enjoyed it. Cool. I'm glad to hear it. That's good. Yeah, it's, it's very quick. It's easy to teach. I think that's one of the like really, really fun things about it. Uh, so that one's going to be out middle of November as well. Uh, and then the other one that's going to come out middle of November is Civilizations. So most people are familiar with our game CV that came out late last year. Uh, it's a tableau building game about your life. You roll dice, you use symbols to buy cards, and you create this life for yourself. Well, uh, our partner Grana in Poland, they put together this game, Civilizations, which is at its core a Civ game where you're building a society, but it is like a gateway style game to that in the same universe as CV. Very lighthearted artwork, very, very comedic artwork. Like one of my favorite pieces is this thing called Cunning where they have this caveman barbecuing on a grill and this giant T-Rex is coming in behind him to eat him and everything. So kind of tongue-in-cheek artwork with it. But you can play a five-player game of civilizations doing, you know, building up the society with all these different cards in like 40, 45 minutes, which is really, really awesome. Because most people, when they think Civ or any type of Civ game, they're thinking like, oh boy, I'm about to you know, waste the next four hours of my life to lose this game to the other guy that knows the game inside and out. This is a much more uh, social game, much more, again, a little bit of narrative will come out because you're trying to build the happiest society through these cards and very, very comedic moments throughout it as well. And again, another one that I got to play and you hit every point correctly, it is a Civ-like game that plays quickly. I almost liken it to um, Stockpile. You think of economic games, you think long, hard economic games, stake Stockpiles economic game can be played an hour. Civilizations is a Civ style game that can be played under an hour. Yeah, and I think a lot of people like that, right? I mean, there's a market for every type of game, and while those games are great, like it's awesome to sit down for four hours and plan out this great big strategy, whether it's a financial game or a trading game or a Civ game or anything like that, it's also kind of nice to be able to say, you know what? I have the same four or five guys that are girls that I play with all the time with that game. I would love something to help introduce new players into this game, right? You may have people that only play Munchkin all the time with you, and you want to, like, up-level the games they play. Nothing against Munchkin, just saying, you know, to expand their, their kind of reach and everything. And you give them something like this, and suddenly they're like, whoa, this is, like, super fun, and I love it. And then it's just it's a stepping stone going up and up and up, right? Um, the other thing that's really cool that I think about Civilizations and Stockpile, I agree, I really like Stockpile, um, is both of them allow younger players to get into a more complex genre of games and give them a way to not feel so overwhelmed when they're trying to jump in, right? If I took my 11-year-old and said, hey, we're going to play Civilization, like the actual Civilization, like his head would explode, right? <laughs> He's like, what do you mean there's diplomacy and all this stuff, right? You know, so. And then the last one, like the big one that we've got at the end of the year is Hop. Uh, that's going to be out, hopefully, depending on how fast the boat can row itself over here. Uh, that is going to be out right before Black Friday. Hop is literally, unbelievably, one of the most beautiful games you will see. 
uh, and it's super fun to boot, right? So the idea, it's uh, designed by Marie Cardois, who most people know from Dixit fame. She did the art for Dixit. Uh, she also did the art for one of our other games, uh, and then we held hands, which came out earlier this year. She did the artwork for this. She did the miniature design for this. You get six miniatures that are fully painted that are cross-master size with it. And you also have her as the designer of the game. So she did like the whole trifecta of everything. Uh, Ludovic Moblanc and her worked together on the design of the game, and it is absolutely hilariously fun of a game. The concept is we are all children trying to do feats of joy with this rainbow ring to get to the top of the sky. And every turn, you're going to draw a card, and it's going to give you a different challenge. You might have to, for example, uh, use the live long and prosper sign on your hand to catch that rainbow ring from another opponent. And if you and that opponent succeed, you get to move up the sky or potentially get cloud tokens that give you points. Uh, if you fail, then bad things can happen, like you have balloon tokens and your balloons could pop. Once uh, one player's uh, balloons all pop, then that triggers the end of the game. Or when somebody reaches the actual top of the sky, that triggers the end of the game as well. Um, but the players who aren't involved in actually throwing that ring back and forth, they can bet on the, the uh, actual outcome of what's going to happen. So let's say you and Tony were a partner, and Tony drew the card that said he has to use the live long and prosper symbol to catch the ring. You then throw it to him, and the rest of us get to bet on it. So if we bet correctly, we get dove tokens. The doves could move us up higher. If we bet incorrectly, we could get crow tokens, and the crows could end up popping our balloons. So you're trying to hedge your bets on who you pick as a partner, what you're going to do with each of the challenges, because each challenge is very different. And it's one of those games that, again, you can play it with a bunch of adults around a table and be laughing, as you'll see later tonight when we're doing it in demos night. Or you can play with a bunch of kids, because it's not, again, heavily language-dependent, and they could be having just as much fun laughing and having a good time around the table, right? Is it uh, co-op? No, it's you're you're trying to be the one person to win, uh, and that's kind of the tricky part, right? Like, let's say you pick Tony as your your first partner, and you succeed at the challenge, and both of you get something good. That's that's great, but then when it's your next turn, you don't want to pick Tony again. You want to pick somebody else, right? So the mechanics of the game actually almost force you to to work with all the other players at the same time or different times to be able to move up higher on the the ladder, so to speak. And it's just it's a silly fun, laugh-out-loud kind of game. And it's just, we're really looking forward to it. It's beautiful. I love Marie's artwork. I love Marie the person. She's a wonderful person. But her artwork is just absolutely gorgeous, and it just it fits this motif really well. We've had a couple of retailers come by already, and they're like, oh, is this like the Pixar game or something? Because it just, it looks like something off of the Pixar screen, which is really cool. So, And the final question, what is one game released in 2016 that you really liked that isn't part of Passport Games? Ooh, that's a really good question. I don't know how wide of a release it got, uh, but I really, really, really liked the game called Role Player, R-O-L-L Player. Uh, it was a Kickstarter that I backed. Uh, I think it was Thunderwork Game was the name of the company. Uh, it is the first Kickstarter I backed, and I backed over like 150 of them, where I played it, and the minute I played it, I said I want to play it again. Uh, it's a very unique game of dice manipulation where you're creating a role-playing character with the dice, and you have different goals and objectives to be able to do that. But yeah, that one... That one blew me away, and we've probably, of, of the games that aren't mine, that's probably the one I've played the most this year. All right, fantastic. Well, Scott, thank you so much, and good luck throughout the rest of the year. Thank you. Where's the moon pies? <laughs> I'm with Sarah Erickson from Renegade Game Studios. Sarah, what are some of the games that you're talking to retailers about right now that we can get excited about? 
We have some really great stuff coming out for the holidays. We have The Blood of an Englishman coming out at the end of November. And it's one I am personally very excited about because it's by Dan Kassar. He's the designer of Arboretum, one of my favorite games in the world. And this little asymmetrical two-player game really hits the spot for me. It's a tug-of-war between Jack and the giant. And Jack gets to do several moves on his turn, all little things reorganizing cards on a board, whereas the giant gets to make these big lumbering moves, big things, but he only gets to do one per turn. Jack is trying to run up the beanstalk, grab all three different treasures one at a time and run back down. Whereas the giant is trying to yell fee-fi-fo-fum to capture Jack. And all of that is just card manipulation on a board. So it's all open information. There's no randomness after the setup of the board. It's very cool that way. The art is gorgeous. I wish people could see this. Maybe we'll share some pictures. Uh, or if, if you haven't, go look it up on BGG and, and look at some of the pictures of the cards. And you say it's just two-player only. Yep. And it plays in... About 20 minutes, maybe half an hour if you're really thinking hard about it because there are some tough choices, but about 20 minutes is probably average. Fantastic. What else you got? We also have an expansion for Lanterns coming out, which is super exciting because Lanterns has been our flagship product. We've had so many people just in love with this game, so it made sense to put out an expansion. And the expansion keeps that element of just simple elegance to the game, but gives players things that they've been wanting to do. So it has five different cards in there, and you pick two of them to play each round, and they let you do things like turning a tile before you place your tile on the turn so it matches up better. Or you can turn in special tokens to be able to get more points or a wild lanterns card. And it's called Lanterns the Emperor's Gifts because each one of these things that you do require little tokens that you get from the Emperor, his little gifts to you, that you only get when you match up with a tile that has a pagoda on it and you have your own pagodas that you place on the board and then try and match with. And when does that come out exactly? It is coming out at the end of November right before Black Friday as well. Fantastic. And what's the MSRP on both Blood of Englishmen and Lanterns expansion? Blood of an Englishman is only $15. It's a great price point, beautiful game, and it's something you can just throw in your pocket and carry around with you if you want to and play all the time. Lanterns expansion is $20. It really adds a lot of cool stuff to the game, so I think that'll be easily worth it for people to pick up. Great price point for a gift, like if you have somebody who loves lanterns definitely pick that up for him for Christmas. And we just got to the table, uh, Covert and, and Clank, and both are very, really cool games, but I must tell you, the game Clank took everybody by surprise. It's one of those games that when I saw on the shelf, I thought this name Clank, and, and it's like, okay, just another generic deck builder. It's one of those games, after we were all done, everybody at the table is sitting there going, when are we playing again? It really took everybody by surprise, I think, because it came out at Gen Con, and we had a significant number of copies, but not huge, and we sold out in the first few hours. It just, every time people play it, they go crazy for it, and we are sold out right now. I know there are still stores that have it, so look for it at your local hobby stores. We're getting more in before Christmas, but no guarantees it'll be on anybody's shelf, so if you see a copy of it, please buy it now, because you'll love it. Yeah, that's very true. And the final question, what is one game released in 2016 that you really enjoyed that is not a Renegade Game Studio game? I just got to play Feast of Odin this last week, and it was very cool. So that's one I would definitely recommend. I like heavy Euro games. There's a lot of good stuff out there, but that one was super fun. Yeah, Feast of Odin, I've got pre-order and haven't been shipped to me yet, so I'm tired of seeing all these pictures on social media everybody getting to play, and I can't get to play, so I really can't wait to get it to the table. Sarah, thank you so much, and we hope that you have a great rest of the year and a very successful holiday season coming up with all your great products. Great, thank you so much. Have fun. I'm with Daniel Hadlock from Tasty Minstrel Games. Daniel, 
what is it that retailers are excited about coming out from TMG this year? Oh man, from retailers from TMG, they're really excited for Orleans Invasion. Orleans has been such a hot title and to be able to expand upon that, offer uh, solo play and all the different things that Orleans Invasion is going to add to and bring to the game, that is one that uh, they're very grateful that is coming out. And we're, we're here at the show, uh, we've got a copy of that that we're showing off. We've also got the reprint of Amon Ray, uh, which we're very excited to bring out. We teamed up with Super Meeple, and we've got just these beautiful uh, pyramids and, and pieces, and did, we're going to bring that game to life. They did a fabulous job on that. We're really excited to bring that one out. Uh, we've also got Ars Alchemia coming, which is a, just a fantastic game that came out of the Tokyo game market that Curl put together, and is he just did a fabulous job on that. It, it melts your head in the best way. You know, it's... Uh, has it, it takes the restrictions of uh, worker placement games and, and plays with them a little bit in, in new and fascinating ways that just make that a delight to play. And then the new Steffenfeld game. You know, Steffenfeld's uh, a, a fabulous designer, and to be able to have his newest title, The Oracle of Delphi, and to bring that out. To me, Oracle of Delphi is probably his most narrative game. You know, it's still got the uh, the, the feldiness to it. The you know what pe some people call point salad. What I like to think of, you're, you're just trying to grasp and try to get as much as you can and gain all the ground you can from turn to turn. And Oracle of Delphi takes that and puts a story with it, and it's just got a fabulous narrative to that game. And that's another one that's coming out that we're really excited about. And when are those going to be coming out? Do you know? November 21st, give or take for some of the titles, but November 21st is the date most of them will be available. So if people want these under their Christmas tree, then they would have them available for the holiday season. Darn right. It's amazing. Fantastic. And last question. What is one game that came out in 2016 that you really enjoyed that's not a TMG game? Uh, 2016... I would have to say Grimslingers. Uh, it was by Greenbrier Games, and for me, the, the art on that is, you know, when we come here to the shows, we get to see what a lot of different people are doing, and, uh, you know, we're all friends, and, and we, we just, it's, it's a wonderful time for us. And that game, Grimslingers, is one that the artwork captivated my imagination uh, several shows ago, and I was really looking forward to it coming out. And uh, just a couple weeks ago, I was able to get my hands on my, uh, on my copy, finally, and uh, sitting down and playing with my daughters uh, and running through, like, eight games in a week just fabulous. They, they did a really good job with that one. The artwork, the gameplay, they, it's just, it's a lot of fun. Daniel, thank you for your time and I hope you have a wonderful rest of 2016. Thank you very much. Thanks for coming by. I am here with Andrea Elliott from Haba USA, who is showing off a lot of their yellow boxed games here at the uh, retailer show. So Andrea, what games are you excited to show retailers? Uh, I think we're most excited about uh, some of our newer games for the fall, one being Go Cuckoo. It's been a huge hit at the open gaming sessions. Uh, it comes in a nice sturdy tin, and it's a dexterity game. It's fun for, it's for four plus, but adults love it too. So uh, we have several games that are just coming out in the fall that we're just trying to introduce to everybody so they could see them in person. Just get people stocked up for the holidays. So like, as you mentioned, the yellow boxes, but we've br branched out. We have uh, a lot of other colors in the mix. Um, Adventureland, Karuba, Rocks, just some more graphic graphics so they stick out a little bit from the yellow. You know, everybody knew the yellow boxes for kids, so we're just trying to um, highlight the fact that, like, you know, older families uh, love our games too, so. Now, are these games out now? Are they going to be coming out soon? Uh, they're all out right now. We introduced 14 this fall. Just this fall, we're coming out with, I think, I can't remember exactly how many uh, in January. So, but currently everything out here on the table is out right now, so you can order it from GTS right now. So, what's been one of your bigger sellers for 2016? 
The, well, I would say the biggest seller for 2016 was Karubo because of the nomination, uh, Spiel de Yar nomination. So it's been out of stock, but we have it now all stocked up, ready to order for the holidays. Fantastic. So if people are looking at it to give their family members and stuff, now's the time to go get it. It makes a great gift. It's fun for every, every age. Grandma loves it. Um, mom, dad. It's for eight and up. And the final question, what is one game released in 2016 that you really enjoyed that's not a Haba game? Well, I just played a game with Rather Dashing, but it doesn't come out until 2017, so that doesn't count. I just played it with them. Um, it's really fun. It's, it's called Element. <laughs> so, Element. Okay, well, well cool, cool. So, you've been focusing all your time on Haba games. you got time for other games, right? I, I have been. That's true. <laughs> okay, well, Andrew, thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I'm with Dan DiLorenzo from R&R Games. Dan, we're here at the GTS Retailers Come and Play show. What are the games that R&R is excited to show uh, retailers this year? Well, Marty, we have four games that uh, we, we released three of them at Essen. And this is Pickle Letter. Uh, this is a game that we actually introduced at the New York Toy Fair, but it took us a long time to get it because we wanted to make sure that the pickles were the right size. So inside the game, you have 18 of these pickles. And then you have these letter tiles. So it's a real quick game where you're basically trying to grab pairs of letters. And when you don't think there's uh, any pairs left, you turn the timer over and you shout out pickle. And the other players have 15 seconds to see if they can find a pair and prove you wrong. If you're, if you're right, everyone else gets a pickle. Pickles are worth minus three points. Every tile that you get is worth one point. And then you turn over 15 more tiles and keep playing until the next round. So this is Pickle Letter, uh, one of our new releases that just arrived. As far as our newest releases from Essen, we have Oom. This is a, a, a real nice Euro game from uh, Gunter Burkhardt. And in Oom, you're basically managing your business in the city of Oom. It's a historically active game with a very unique uh, tile movement mechanic in it that dictates the types of uh, player uh, moves that you have with each round. Uh, it takes about an hour for four players. Uh, it was a major success uh, releasing this at uh, the Essen Fair. But even more exciting is Toria. Toria represents the dancing castles, and this is uh, the object of this game is you're going around the kingdom searching for treasures, and you're looking for treasures so that you can present them to the king to ask for the hand of his daughter or his son in marriage, depending on which way you're interested in going. Um, again, it plays in uh, about an hour for four players, and this is a game by Inca and Marcus Brand and Michael Renick. So these are really prominent designers with a, a real cutting-edge game. Finally, we have CoinQuest. CoinQuest is an auction-bidding game where you are a coin collector, and you are looking for uh, the, the rarest coins in the bunch. So it's kind of like a deck-building game with coins. plays in about 45 minutes for four players. It, play, it plays up to five players. Five players plays about uh, just under an hour. And that's it. This retails for uh, $34.99, and Ulm and Toria retail for $39.99, and Pickletta retails for $15.99. And they're all available now? Uh, they are all available. They will be uh, all available in the next two weeks. They're, all, they're en route, being unloaded, and should be in our warehouse within the next two weeks. So just in time for the holidays for people to get presents for their family? Absolutely, no doubt. And one last question, what is one new game in 2016 that you really enjoyed that's not an R&R game? That's not an R&R game? Uh, wow, that is a really good question. I like uh, Oh Cuckoo by Haba. Uh, I played that at another convention and I really enjoyed it because it's fun. 
Um, so that would be one of my favorite new games. Thank you so much for your time, Dan. Hope you had the good rest of the show. Thank you, Marty. Appreciate it. Our next guest has been heard on many, many podcasts over the last couple months. And we thought you were sick of hearing this guy, so I was just going to pass him by. But we just love this man too much. So we have to talk to Stephen Bonacore from Stronghold Games. Hey, Stephen. Hello, Marty. That's not right. Tony, not the other guy. <laughs> That's <laughs> and I actually called you Tony last night. It was like not even on part. I'm like, oh god, what a jerk I am. But uh, no, it was great hanging out with you last night, playing a little Fuji Flush, right? Uh, yeah. So we're gonna get to that. Okay. You you just had a fantastic Gen Con show with wonderful games such as Dragon of Flag and Craft Wagon and Pursuit of Happiness. But what took the world by storm was Terraforming Mars, and now you've got all these great games coming out of Essen. Just out of curiosity, which game do you think coming out of Essen? and it's going to be that terraforming Mars for you, the one that just rises straight to the top. Okay, so another, what's, what's my next biggest hit, basically, out of Essen? I think it's Great Western Trail. I mean, if you take a look at the, the, the geek buzz coming out of Essen, we had three games there. Terraforming Mars was the number one game on the geek buzz. Great Western Trail was in the four, five, six range. Uh, and then Fabled Fruit of All Games came in at number nine. So, But Great Western Trail has got that amazing cred of Alexander Pfister, who is so on fire. The guy just keeps again and again winning award after award. He's won two Kenneth Builders Yards in a row. This is definitely in line for that again. Um, I have a feeling that this is this could even go to be like an allocated game, meaning distribution orders more than I have. But I did, again, I did a very nice size print run on this, but things are going good. These games are just really, really solid uh, and I can't take the credit for it. I'm mean, talking about my partners like putting out great games for me to do. So the guys at Eggerspiele hitting it out of the park, getting Alexander Fister to do great, great Western Trail with us. So it's it's a, it's going to be a biggie for us. Yeah. And so what else are you showing retailers here that they're new? That's new and they're excited about. Right. So I mentioned Fable Fruit. Um, this is a Freedom and Freeze game. This is a we're calling it a Fable game. So it's it has a legacy like uh, component meaning the game system will evolve over time, but it's non-destructive like Legacy. You don't rip cards, you don't mark them. You can start the game from the beginning, play it through. It'll take you about 22, 24 plays to play it through. And when you're done, you'll be like, wow. Then you can restart it from the beginning. You can start it in the middle. You can start it anywhere you want. So it's very, very modular the way you can play this game. Um, that's at first, when I first got the game, and I said, this is another genius game, but is it can be the kind of game that some gamers will really get into. I mean a game about mixing juices and fruits, right? To mixing fruits to make juices. But but in Essen, it just was just went off the charts. Uh, I sold out of it twice in Essen. I had my initial allocation there, sold out. We got some more on Saturday, sold out again. Um, Fuji Flush, we played it last night. We were talking about it. My smallest game I've ever done, just a 90-card game in a, one of those card boxes. Fast, fun, 10-minute game simply about shedding cards, getting rid of all of your cards. We were the loudest table last night, right? We were hanging out there, having, having a beer and having a glass of wine, and we were, like, screaming, like, as we were trying to, like, get people to play the cards to match us so that we can get rid of our cards, right? It was amazing. It's one of those games that you, you finish, like, let's play again. It's what you, you, it's so easy to learn, and we kept having different people come in to join us to play, and it's one of those games that with the more people, the better the game is. So keep this in mind, everybody. This is a really, really fun family game that you just keep playing. We probably played about eight to ten times last yeah, night. Exactly, and three to eight players, really, and as you said, the more the better, because you, it's just more of a, a screaming match, so to speak, and a laugh riot as people are trying to like hit the same cards to try to gang up on the larger cards and things like that. So, yeah, really going to be a lot of fun. Now, that's everything that's brand, brand new that we're kind of showing here. The um, the next set of games, the um, the Yorviks, 
the Great Western Trails and the Fog of Wars. We don't have them here yet. They're all on the boat on their way over. So that's, that, that's the next set. And then after that, it's Sola Fide and La Granja No Siesta, the dice game. Um, we don't have those here, but that's like the, the rest of the schedule for Strong over the year, and it's really a strong schedule for us. So are all these retailers going to be expecting to have all those games on their shelves in time for the holiday season? Every one of those games that I mentioned the, should, yes, absolutely. The street dates um, for Fuji Flush and Fable Fruit is two weeks from now on November 9th, and then Fog of War, Great Western Trail, and Jurvik is uh, 11-23. And then finally, Solafide and La Granja No Siesta is 12-7. So all of them are coming out. And one final question. What is new? one new game that came out in 2016 that you really liked that is not a stronghold game? You're, gonna, you're killing me. Um, Colony. Awesome. By Vezier. My buddy's right next to me over here. Really, really fun. I actually got to play that last night. That, that was a surprisingly really good game. Yeah, very, very good. And you know, I'm also going to put a shout-out for America. It happens to be on a table right next to us because the Bezier is right, exhibiting right next to us. Trivia game. Just a trivia game about America. So well done. I mean, like, you know, trivia is like dime a dozen almost, like, and so mass market. But, but, but Ted is so smart, and he did a gamer's trivia game. So you really like it. If you, if you like some trivia and you want some game, gamerness in it, it's a great game. Fantastic. Stephen, thank you so, so much for your time. And I just want to say, I just won the internet. I kept Stephen Bonacore in an interview under six minutes. Yeah! I am here with Deacon Wheeler from Cryptozoic Games. So, Deacon, what are you showing all the retailers here today? All right, so I have a few things. I have Poker Celt, Attack on Titan, Deck Building, Train High, Spyfall 2, Batman Almost Got Him, and Master of Orion. They're all different. They're all fantastic. I'm going to go through a couple of them a little bit here and there. Poker Assault is what I'm telling the retailers is a great gateway game. It uses poker mechanics as a 1v1 dueling deck uh, game. So it comes with poker uh, it comes with poker chips, wolf pack, the invaders, rocket patrol and the uh, vampire court. Each deck plays a little bit differently, but you're trying to build poker hands to do damage to the other person before they can kill you. Attack on Titan is our newest Cerberus game. It's going to be coming out 11/9, same as Poker Assault. Uh, it is the first fully co-op Cerberus game right out of the gate. Everyone is working together to keep the wall together, which is your lineup, keep the castle protected, which is your deck, and keep from dying. If any of those things happen, you're out. Uh, you're trying to kill four arch-enemy titans during the game. Uh, if you do, then you win. It also in introduces movement into the game. You cannot purchase cards unless you're right next to them on the uh, lineup, so you have to move around to purchase what you need. Next, we have Train Heist. This was a 2015 Kickstarter that went fantastically. A thousand copies were only ever printed. He helped his Kickstarter backers, but he doesn't have enough to do it well. So we're working with him to bring it out and to the world. It's a uh, pick-up-and-deliver game with a Robin Hood mechanic. You're trying to jump on the train, uh, rob from the rich, give back to the poor, so the train, by the time it gets back to a location uh, that has goods, they can steal them back again. If there's nothing there to pay off the people in the rich train, then you start getting in trouble and you uh, run out of uh, life. You have three spots on your noose that will eventually get you. Uh, Spyfall 2 is the sequel to the uh, very, very popular Spyfall 1. 20 new locations, two spies, 12 uh, different players can play this version. Similar game, uh, there's a couple new rules that you can modularly add in as well, but it's a lot of fun for a social deduction game. Speaking of social deduction, we're showing off for the first time here, Batman Almost Got Him. It's based off of the animated series episode of the same name. 
where Batman is in disguise during a game of poker between the Joker, Penguin, and everyone like that. I remember that episode. Yeah, so what's going on there is you're playing a werewolf or a mafia-style game where Batman is the werewolf. You have Batman in disguise and other crafty, homicidal, healy sort of secret abilities. The twist, however, is you can only activate your secret ability if you have the right poker hand. So you're still playing poker. Every round, you get to draw a card either publicly or privately and discard a card. So people might get an idea of what you're trying to build and might be able to deduce who you are. Quick trivia question. Which character was Batman disguised as in the episode? Killer Croc. Nice. Yeah, yeah. And he threw a big rock. All right, last but not least is Master of Orion. We're bringing that over from Hobby World. Uh, it is based off the original video game. Uh, recently, War, War Game Labs um, bought out the uh, rights of that and created a whole new version of uh, Master of Orion. We're using art from that version of Master of Orion. So Mershon, the Melkor, everyone like that is upgraded to have a great new look. And this is a fantastic, deceptively hard game to play because you're dealing with four different resources, you have attacking each other, you're building a tableau, everything's going on. So it's a fantastic one. Fantastic. And the final question, oh no, actually a question before that. When are all these gonna be available for retailers to be able to sell? All right, so Poker Assault and Attack on Titan are 11.9. Everything else that I talked about is gonna be by the early next year. Uh, we got Man vs. Meeple hiding behind you. Oh, hey Jeremy, how's it going? Good, how are you? David, how's it going? Excellent. They're interrupting my interview over here. No, I'm just kidding. All right, final question. I want one of those, too. He's handing out these mighty meeple things. These things are awesome. It's like superheroes. Yeah, so they are one-inch one tall meeples that are sold in blind bags. Uh, they're coming out for Christmas. If they're not out for Christmas, I'll eat my hat, so I'm really hoping that they're, I'm not lying about that one. But they're right around the corner. They're a little bit taller, and they're all the DC characters. So Series 1 is going to have 30, 30 different characters sold in $4 blind bags. Last question. What is one game that came out in 2016 that you really enjoyed that is not a Cryptozoic game? My favorite game of 2016, I just picked up Terraforming Mars. I'm enjoying the heck out of that one. Um, also, uh, Eclipse brought out its new expansion, and I'm enjoying that one a lot as well. I'm a big 4X gamer, so that's why I'm liking Master of Orion as well. Deacon, thank you so much for your time, and hope you have a great rest of the show. Thank you very much, Marty, and hey to, hi to everyone over at Roland Dice. I'm with Nick Little from Indie Boards and Cards, who is excited to show a lot of their stuff, new stuff to the retailers. So what are you guys sh showing to the public right now? Uh, what we're showing at this con is two games. We have Aeon's End and Kodama. And Kodama's a reprint. It's the second edition that's coming out. The first one sold out in about four weeks last May. And we've been really excited to get this one back in stores. Uh, the real changes are the box is a little bigger, and we, we changed the scoreboard. But I would say anybody that that hasn't seen it should really check it out. It's a great kind of zen-like gameplay experience, and you get to be really creative and grow your tree for these tree spirits, and it's a game that's great for all ages. So it's really family-friendly, it's new gamer-friendly, it's a good kind of transition game. Our other game is much heavier. It's called Aeon's End. So in this game, you, uh, you play mages who are kind of, they exist at the end of the world, and they all live in this cave city, and these monsters have come come into our world through these giant portals and they're trying to end humanity essentially so you're going to try and fight them off so it's a co-op fantasy deck builder in which the cool part about the deck building is you don't shuffle so whenever you would draw a card and you can't you flip your discard pile over and it becomes your deck 
So this allows you to do a lot of like really great planning and strategizing because you'll always know what cards are gonna get into your hand at the same time, and you'll be able to plan these really cool combos. And also it's a Dominion style deck builder, so there's a market instead of a trade row. So at the beginning of the game, you can kind of plan, okay, I'm gonna need this gem with this spell and this relic, and I'm gonna need a hand that can kind of do this repeatedly. So it allows you to really try to figure out exactly what you need to do. On the contrast of that, where we allow you to do all the strategical planning, the turn order is random. So there's a turn order deck composed of six cards. You'll shuffle it up, and then you'll reveal one, and if it's a player card that correlates to you, you'll go. If it's the Nemesis turn, the Nemesis will take a turn. So each game, there's going to be two Nemesis cards in the turn order, and then four player cards. Based on player count, it varies a little bit. That sounds really cool. What I'm always excited about is games when they do a little twist. And it's, it's so simple. Don't shuffle your discard deck. Just adds a whole new mechanic to deck building games. Right, exactly. And it's, it's the same deck building. What we found is what it does is it makes the economic cards, so in Dominion, your gold and silver, it makes them more powerful because you can plan to draw them in one clump. So that makes them even more efficient than you would normally get. What a great idea. And when are these going to be available for retailers? These will be available on shelves December 7th. So if you're a retailer, get your pre-orders in now. We have a special for Aeon's End where if you if you order a case, which is four games, you'll get an expansion for free, and the expansions aren't out yet. And we have two little expansions that we designed with this game. So that'll give you like a, a sneak preview of the expansion that you can also sell. So just in time for the holidays. That's right. One last question. What is one game that came out in 2016 that you really enjoyed that is not an indie boards and card game? Pickle Letter. It's an R&R &R game where you're just matching letters and then you have to grab pickles randomly. It's a lot of fun. It's, it's more fun than you would expect. And I actually just talked to them and saw that. That does look fun. Yeah, it's hilarious. All right. Thank you so much for your time, Nick. Thank you. I'm here with DC from Steamforge Games to talk about their new Guild Ball box kickoff. DC, thanks for coming to talk to us. Oh, thank you for letting us be on the show here. We're having a great time at GTS showing off kickoff and getting to talk to a lot of different retailers about what makes this product unique. What makes this product unique? There, I just set it up for you. <laughs> that was a great segue. <laughs> um, this is designed so that it bridges the gap between people who are interested in games from whether it's uh, board games, card games, uh, even just kind of some, some of the family games where they're used to opening up a box and getting everything they need and playing and giving them that miniatures game experience that's typically more involved, where you have a bit of a process of, of assembling the models and being able to purchase other items that are needed to play the game. In kickoff, everything is in the box. We've got enough models so that there are two full teams for both players. We've got all of the tools you need to measure, to track damage. We've got the cards that you need to tell you what the different models do, the dice. You don't have to make any separate purchases. And we've even set up the rule books themselves to teach you gradually. Here's the introduction to the game, shows you step by step with a, kick, with a quick start how to play the game of Guild Ball. So, wait a minute. I don't have to put these things together? Not at all. If we take a look at them right here, we've got models that are already assembled, uh, or actually not already assembled, they're single piece. So even uh, they don't have any lines on them from where they were assembled uh, in China or something. They don't have any particular gaps or anything. They all come as just single piece, highly detailed plastic models. For people that do want to paint them, 
you would treat it just like you would with a resin model. Just give it a quick rinse, let it dry, prime it and paint it. But for those who want to play it out of the box, each of the teams has been shot in its own guild color. The Brewers Guild is in kind of a, a bright mustardy yellow for their, for their team, and the Masons Guild is in this darker blue here. So wait a minute. All right, so let's say I'm just a non-handyman guy, and I don't have a measuring tape around. I mean, am I have to go buy measuring tape? Nope, don't need to buy anything at all. We've got various measuring tapes, enough for uh, both players, or measuring tools, I should say. Uh, the different tools, as well as the score markers, as well as the templates, everything is in traditional uh, thick board game cardboard. Okay, we did an episode, several episodes ago, where we took uh, three different games, and Guild Ball was one of them. We said, all right, here's how much you're going to need to spend in order to get uh, a full team out on the board, a, a six-man team. And we figured around $120, $130 for a team. That's including all the models, some tape measures, some tokens, and everything. This is two full teams and everything you need. What is the price point for some monster like this? Well, to get two full teams with everything, it's got to be a lot more. It's $69.99. That's insane. I mean, that's just the regular price. That's just the price of a regular board game at this point. So you get the full Guild Ball experience out of the box. Nothing else you need to buy for 70 bucks. That is correct for two players. And one thing we haven't even mentioned yet, it also comes with the pitch. Uh, a fold-out board game style board that is the full three foot by three foot Guild Ball pitch that you play on. That is absolutely amazing. Is this available now? Can I get this right now? Well, not quite yet, I'm afraid, but November 25th, we'll be all set and rolling out. Make sure you look for kickoff then. So that's just a great gift for somebody to give somebody else for the holidays, especially if somebody's wanting to get into miniature games or their kids get into miniature games. They haven't got to worry about dealing with uh, knives or painting or anything like that. They can just play a miniatures game just like this. Yep, absolutely. Whether they're traditionally into board games or card games or even role-playing games, check it out. It's a great world, a lot of interesting interactions. The characters are very flavorful and fun, and we think that everybody is going to just have a phenomenal experience with kickoff. Last question. I've been asking this of everybody. What is one game that you played in 2016 that you really enjoyed that's not a Steamforge game? That's not a Steamforge game. Can it be an electronic game? Nobody else has done that, but sure, let's break the mold here. Oh, oh, well, I mean, the one I've been playing a lot lately, and this has some nostalgia going for it, is Master of Orion. I played it a lot as a kid growing up, and so when the new one came out, I had to give it a try. It's uh, got that one-more-turn element that sucked up all too much of my life. <laughs> Have you gone over and seen the Master of Orion game over from Cryptozoic Game? Uh, I've seen that it's out. I haven't had a chance to check it out yet, but I will. I'll give it a shot. Yeah, that's something you need to do. DC, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. It's been great. I'm here with Daniel Zayas from Eagle Griffin Games. And Daniel, what are you showing retailers that you're excited about right now? We're showing retailers a lot of games, actually. But uh, the ones we are highlighting specifically, Chariot Race is currently on Kickstarter. Uh, it's the new dice game by Matt Leacock. You, uh, you take the role of a charioteer who is uh, racing around the track. You have to race around three times. There's uh, dice rolling, uh, mitigated dice luck, and all that. Uh, you have Morocco here. That one's a medium Euro game uh, with cube collection, and you're trying to take over the stalls on the map uh, by pushing out the, the juice retailers, I should say. The, the juicers? The, 
Yeah, the juicers. And then you have uh, Heir to the Pharaoh, which is um, by Alf Seeger. That one's a strictly two-player game uh, themed after uh, there's a pharaoh who is passing on his wealth to either his dog or his cat, and you take on the roles of the dog and the cat, and it's a really cool, unique uh, bidding point salad game. And, and yeah, those are, those are the, the big three that I, we have uh, plenty of others, but yeah, those are the big three new ones that we're promoting. And aside from Chariot Race, which one of those are going to be available for retail before the holidays? Uh, so Chariot is actually supposed to get in here before the end of the year. So we're actually shipping it in into into here before the end of the year. You also have um, all of these that I have here, but uh, Heir to the Pharaoh, Morocco, they're all available uh, right now. Yep. Fantastic. So people on, they can go out to their local retail stores and pick them up now, just in time for the holidays. Absolutely. Yep. One final question. What is one new game you played in 2016 that you really enjoyed that is not an Eagle Griffin game? Wow. Okay. Oh, Fuji Flush for sure. That one's that one's the one. The if you're looking for like a small, quick, uh, it's like a party trick-taking game. It's the best way I can explain it. But it's it's really fun and fast, and there's never a dull moment because everyone's watching everyone do put a card down, put a card down. So Fuji Flush for me is is the non-Eagle Griffin game that I would would recommend. Which I end up playing last night about 10 to 12 times. So yes, that's a pretty fun game. It is a fun game. Yeah, it's a fun game. All right, Daniel, thank you so much for your time. Perfect. Thank you. I'm here with Jason Brenner from Upper Deck. So, Jason, what are you showing the retailers here today? Well, we are showing, uh, as always, we have our flagship line of legendary products. Uh, we have Marvel Legendary, all the expansions through um, Civil War, and actually the latest one that just came out would be Deadpool, and that's blowing up already. It's only been out for a week. Uh, we also have Legendary Encounters, which... Um, is really become a brand into a, of itself with Legendary Encounters Alien, Predator, and then most recently, Firefly. So we're showing all that off. Every, I mean, you can see Richard's over there right now talking about it. Well, you can't see it, but, well, you and I can see it, but they can't see it. <laughs> but it's happening. It's really happening. Um, we, Pictures or it didn't happen. <laughs> true, true. Uh, kind of like our presentation this morning. <laughs> yeah. No pics, yet it did happen. Um, we also are showing Versus System, which has been incredibly popular for us. Uh, we have the Marvel core set. We have our two Marvel expansions, A-Force and the Defenders. And then, of course, the latest uh, expansion to come out, which is the Alien Battles for Versus System. Really cool because, finally, we have something else getting into the Versus System and not just uh, Marvel and previously, which was DC. Now we have Alien. We have some other stuff coming down the pipe. We do have more Marvel content coming out as well, and that's important to note. Uh, right next to that, obviously, we have Firefly Shiny Dice, who's uh, designed by Scott Morris, who is of uh, our good friends over at Passport. Uh, we are showing Bring Out Your Dead, and obviously, um, the latest game or the next game to come out next week is going to be The Crow. Uh, Crow's going to, like, it's a really fun board game based off of. The first Crow film, the Eric Draven storyline, uh, things like that. So, yeah, I mean, that's what we're showing here. We have our organized play kits, which everybody's been, you know, furiously asking about because they really want to know what's in the kit, how do they get the kit, why haven't they bought the kit yet, and I'm asking that same question. They should be buying it right now. Uh, anyway, that's what we're showing here, man. And, of course, we have our Shark Island banner, and uh, that's for a game that comes out at Gen Con next year. But I'm excited about another game that's also coming out next year, too, and that's Legendary Encounter Buffy. As a huge Buffy fan, I cannot wait to see that game. A lot of people are excited. It is going to be um, based off of the same engine as the Marvel game. 
So it's not an Encounters version, it's a regular, uh, regular legendary engine game, but thematically it crushes Buffy, man. It's, it's awesome. The guys who designed it are Travis Chance and Nick Little of Action Phase Games, previously Action Phase Games, and they've included a couple new pieces in there that have like, enhanced the legendary experience, in my opinion. Uh, I'll give you a little hint. It's a light and dark tracker. That's all I'm going to tell you. But, oh, my God, it's amazing, right? Like, it just changes the, like, the very, like, the, the kind of the core mechanics of the game based on, you know, if it's light or dark, vampires either are more powerful or less powerful, depending, and that's dynamic through the game. So, yeah, I'm really excited. I can't wait for it. There's, um, like I said, Shark Islands launching at Gen Con, Legendary Buffy. There's a couple other things that I can't talk about right now, but I will be talking about shortly. So, look, 2017 is going to be huge for us. And one last question. What game came out in 2016 that you really like that is not from Upper Deck? Well, I was going to say Legendary Big Trouble in Little China because it's Big Trouble in Little China, but I won't. No, because you can't. No, no, because I can't. Uh, well, there's a couple. Um, is it out yet? I know, I know I'm playing it. I have a copy. I think it's out. Uh, Clank? It's out. Yeah, Deck Builder by Renegade. Killer, killer fun. Onitama. I'm gonna say more than a more than one because I have a lot of friends here who make cool games. Uh, Onitama, killer game by Arcane Wonders, um, and one of like the favorites that gets a lot of play at our kitchen table is Myth by my good pals over at Passport. Awesome stuff. Jason, thanks so much for your time. Thank you very much. And for my final interview of this GTS come and play, it's my roomie. Chevy Dodge. Chevy, thank you so much for letting me room with you during this show. Thanks for coming down, hanging out, and helping out. It's been it, fun. It has been a blast. Now, there are two games here that a lot of people are going to be excited about that you're showing off to retailers. Why don't you tell us about them? Well, first up, we have the brand new faction for Imperial Settlers, Aztecs. It's a new, uh, completely new faction that introduces a press-your-luck gambling-style mechanic in which you can take actions to prey for resources, and you'll flip over a number of cards from the top of the common deck, and if you match the resource that you were looking for, you'll, you'll get some. If you don't, you get nothing. So you, you might spend an action and not end up with anything, or you might end up getting more than you expected. Can I pray for a larger font in Imperial Settlers? No. Okay, so that's mechanics not in there. Well, there's another game on this table that we're also really excited about. Why don't you tell us about that? Uh, that would be Robinson Crusoe, I think you're talking about. I think that's the one. Okay, with, with a brand new uh, Robinson Crusoe, I believe the street date on that one is December 7th. Don't hold me to it. I could be wrong. This is the all-new Portal Games edition of the game. We shrunk the box down to a normal box size. Thank you. Yes, included all the fancy wooden components from the Polish Game of the Year edition, the little fruit and the leather and such that make the uh, game more thematic instead of cubes. We included the dice or the pawn stickers, um, upgraded the cardboard stock of the character cards. We included the King Kong expansion, which some people have been looking for, and uh, completely rewrote the rule book so that it actually makes sense this time. That is fantastic. These are the ones that people are like really going gaga over. So the question is going to be is if they had the original version, does really th anything really change besides the components? Uh, no. The, we didn't update any rules or change any of the cards. It's, it's still the same game you know and love. I'm looking at the components here, and they look absolutely fantastic. And when was uh, Imperial Settlers Aztec supposed to come out? Uh, it should be the 1st of December. Uh, and Robinson Crusoe, I think, is the beginning of December as well. So, 
Okay. So around the 1st of December, 4th. Yeah. Just in time for the holidays. Just in time for your holiday spending. And one, like, oh, wait a minute. So so the Robinson Crusoe didn't include the sunny day at the beach card? Uh, no. Swear, small fonts, no sunny day at the beach. I don't even know why I'm doing this. All right, so the final question. What is one game, one new game that you played in 2016 that you really like that is not a portal game? Terraforming Mars. You are the second person to say that, and I'm sure Bonacore will love hearing this. I don't deny, I don't doubt it. I it's I've probably played it 15 times now and um, still haven't won. That that bothers me. I have a great record at coming in second. That's just first loser. Thank you. I guess I'm going to need to play this game. I think I'm the only one that hasn't played it. Probably because you can't get it. But, you know, maybe you go over there and give Bonacore a hug, and you never know what might happen. I might get Bonacore for going over there and trying to get a hug from him. Chevy, thank you so much. And maybe we'll do this again next year. I hope so. Thank you. Thank you, sir. All right, guys, this was a fun-filled show all about the Arkham Horror card game. I hope you guys got enough information. I mean, my heavens, I think we went in depth on this. Well, we did, but we're passionate about that. I mean, look, how many LCGs have we played? We've played Warhammer Invasion, Mm -hmm. Lord of the Rings, Mm -hmm. Netrunner, Warhammer Conquest. So the only things I don't think we ever really tried was Game of Thrones, which we actually did play the CCG version and the Call of Cthulhu. I know. So we enjoy playing them. Why are we? Why do we subject ourselves to this? We know that every month we are going to have to shell out fifteen dollars to get an expansion. We know this. Why don't we just step away? <laughs> just step away. Push away from it. Because I think there's a nostalgia there for you and I. I think it comes from being kids and opening baseball cards and sorting cards, and then all of a sudden finding there's games that you can make out of this. I just think it stuck with us. One thing we didn't mention, I think the other big benefit is the fact, the portability of it. That's a good point. You and I met many times at McDonald's Uh or we can meet at Bojangles for lunch and we can pull out Arkham Horror and play right there on the table. It doesn't take up a lot of space. Like you said, you throw it in your back pocket. Yeah. I mean, and then of course, for us, the creativity, but enough about, you've already heard about the card games. Let's get something more important here. Marty and I will be going and attending Mace 2016. Now, Mace East by Justice Productions. Ron came on the show when we were getting our start, and he talked to us about running cons. And this is his 20th year of doing Mace in the North Carolina area. You know, it was up at Winston-Salem, and then he brought it down to Charlotte, um, to the north part of the city. So we will be going at this to this convention for the weekend of the 11th, 12th, and 13th, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. November. November, that's absolutely right. And we are looking forward to this. Now, I get to go and do a demo. He is going to have the Envoy group. And if you've listened to Stephen and Ignacy, they talk about Envoy who do the demos. Okay. Correct. And they are having a bunch of tournaments there. So there's going to be tournaments there. I'm an Envoy Herald. Thank you very much. What are you showing off? I'm going to go over, and I'm so excited about this because I know you're going to give me a hard time about it. Harry Potter, Hogwarts Battle. I actually want to try that. I've heard really good things about that game. Yeah, I'm excited to get it out. It looks really cool. It's like got seven chapters. It's deck building. It's co-op. Do you have it yet? Yeah, I got it. I'm learning how to play it because I got to get certified to be able to teach. Somebody said it's a really unique deck building game, and we'll get into it later, but is that, is that true? I don't know. It just came today. <sighs> 
you know, I had to get over here. I was late for work. There was, oh, there's all kinds of things. So I haven't even opened it yet. They don't even have the rules online yet. And it's by USAopoly. So correct. Now that's one of those things that sometimes you wonder about. Yeah, I know, but I've heard really, really, really good things about it. And it was really hot at Gen Con. So they're going to have state championship regionals there. Of course, Ron's got all the RPG stuff that's going on there. He's expanding the board game room and then of course marty and i from 12 to 3 we're hosting a come and play games with us we are we are yes you saw the email um from 12 to 3 marty and i are hosting come and play with us there's going to be strike oh gosh i'm not going to this yeah you are then there's going to be if avery shows up and is man enough he's playing thunder road and i'm taking on steve avery steve avery that's right he we will have thunder road there i'm very excited i'll play thunder road again that old game surprised me yeah we'll be doing that and then i'm sure we'll have some other games out there we'll be playing and i mean we'll bring our ashes card and who knows what other boxes and games we'll have there just to play so come by stop if you're in the charlotte area 12 to we'll probably have a moon pie or two uh, and then, of course, at three o'clock, uh, Epic is going to be Epic Gaming Podcast is going to be mm-hmm. there, and we'll be stopping by and talk to them. Tantrum House is going to be there. They're going to be Melissa, Kevin, and and Will. The whole crew showing up. We're looking forward to seeing them there. They're going to have all kinds of stuff going on at Mace. And then, of course, one of our favorite things bringing food to us and us not having to go out and get food. <laughs> We've talked about this before. Mace has the best food service of anybody. It's called the Grinning Goblin. And it's this food service that basically can go around to your tables and take your orders for like maybe a local sub shop or something or pizza and they'll bring it to you and their prices are so reasonable. I cannot believe how cheap their stuff is, but they do it. Uh, one of the best food services I've ever seen at any con. And they're bringing back something that, you know, in theme with the Jack Vassal Memorial, they've, they're having their own live charity auction. You know, you can go in, donate games, and then they give the proceeds to a charity that right. they're sponsoring. Very neat idea. And that's why, you know, I was going to say, hey, we're going to run our gaming in the evening. And, and Ron's like, no, we're going to do the charity auction. And you and I will definitely be um, looking into that. Because who knows? There might be somebody might. Not me. Not me. I am not donating strike. But somebody might. And if there is, I'm going to bid for you. I think you should. I think it's no. It's for a good cause. Donate your strike copy. Never. <laughs> but what about the children? I'll donate something else. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, May's 2016. Um, like I said, the weekend of the 11, 12, 13 in November. Great. Uh, the hotel. We've got the whole bottom floor of the hotel. Yeah, this is a really nice place that they have. This is right near a, a university area, so it's a really nice hotel. We do have the whole bottom floor. Probably six, seven hundred people attend. Like you said, it's the twentieth year, so it's it's one of the biggest cons in our area. They'll have all kinds of things going on. Vendors, of course, will be there. Our local game stores are planning on be there for the vendors. Your local game store, and then of course, Carolina Tabletop is going to be there as well. So I'm very excited. Looking forward to that to another local con that we have now. Now, if you can't make it down to Charlotte and you're in the Raleigh area, Gamers for Cures, our best buddy, Dan Patrice, he will be having his marathon going on. If we weren't at Mace, I know Marty and I would be driving up yep. there to benefit from, uh, benefit, not benefit. Well, he he would benefit from us attending. Yes, he would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, we laugh. But anyway. Gamers for Cured, Dan's holding that incredible event for Turner Syndrome up there in Raleigh. So a lot of ha- things happening here in November. M- Marty, where are you going to be in three weeks? And then right after Mace, I'll be heading out to BGG Con, uh, spending some time out there, just 
going and hanging out, just probably playing some games, not really playing anything special, but uh, just kind of go around and see what's going on, maybe to check out some new hot Essen releases. In fact, Tony, you and I have some hot Essen releases coming our way. We've placed some orders with Fun Again Games. Uh, we're excited to get those in and can't wait to get those to the table and, and talk to everyone about it. Yeah, future show, Nick from Fun Again is going to stop by. He's going to talk about Germany and his trip to Essen, and we're going to quiz him hard about what he brought back so that everybody can you know take notice of that. And who knows what else will happen from the show because I'm always posting something on the Guild to create issues and struggles and things like that. Oh, you definitely create some issues. I know I do. So anyway, a lot of stuff coming in. The year's winding. That was good. Winding down. Mm-hmm. And we have got still a lot to cover. I was just sitting here staring at the stack of games that we, we need to to get through. It's just a busy time of year. With the Gen Con and Essen, there's just so much stuff coming out. Um, we did post on the Guild, what games would you like us to cover? This was number one, Arkham Horror, which is why we were so anxious to get it out there. Number two is Feast of Odin. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the ones we have on order, hopefully being shipped from Funnigan Games. We have to get that to the table soon so we can talk about that one. And I'm excited about that. It's like patchwork on steroids. Now, we mentioned a couple of things. Now, we don't do a whole lot of Kickstarter stuff, but you know, I occasionally get some very interesting projects in. Um, then I get some not so interesting, but I will say this, you know, that game I mentioned Dracula feast. Yes. Where I said, there is no way a social deduction game where I have to dance would ever grace my table. Correct. He is killing it. Really? For $9. He is killing it. Congrats. That's awesome. And then, um, we also got something The educators have contacted us and we got a game, um, called story craze. that's out there. And it's about creating creative stories. The kids go check that out if you're interested. I had some educators look at it. They really like the idea behind it. But so check that out if you're interested from that standpoint. And then again, I would like to thank all 200 plus people who have watched me defend strike on our YouTube channel. Unbelievable. (laughs) (laughs) uh, You're blowing me away in, in, in views. And I have another project I'm working on. I am taking the pandemic box from broken token the craftsman series yes. box and i'm going to start releasing some videos asking questions like the first one i'm going to do is should i stain it or should i paint it white with the logo in red what would that do what do y'all think what do you expect them they're just going to comment in the comment section yeah no Hey, I'm never going to put down any other video you've done because you standing out in the garage talking about strike just blows away any of my videos. So I obviously don't do not know what I'm doing here. Oh, no, your throw punch launches are great. So, guys, appreciate you listening. And as always, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Dyson Names. Then you can follow Marty on Dyson Names on Twitter. And if, then again, if you get bored, you want to add Tony underscore RDTTN on um Twitter. Twitter. Yeah, go for it. Uh, it works for us. And then, of course, we have all the little stuff going on happening out there. If you want to buy merchandise, hey, Analog Gamer, they got our squirrel shirts. They are so freaking cute. Our squirrel shirts and our regular logo shirts. And uh, we're looking forward to working with him and kind of some new stuff for next year for 2017, which we've already been talking to Brandon about. And we'll see what we can come up with. And of course we push it all the time. BGG guild, uh, 1200 members strong. And we appreciate everybody over there with the comments and driving everything like us on Facebook. If you don't get hacked in the Russians <laughs> shut you down. And if you want to support us, you can do so at podpledge.com. In fact, we, I think we have fulfilled all of our pledges. 
uh, so far for the year. But that doesn't mean if one comes in that we won't fulfill that. We for sure will. Uh, we got all those taken care of. And if we missed you, if you're ones that, one of the ones that support the show and, and have not gotten anything, Tony, you did mail those out, right? They're going out this weekend because um, I was writing personal notes on all of them. Oh, that's sweet. You're welcome. So anyway, so be looking for those in the next couple of weeks. And if you don't get yours, just, just please let us know. We'll take care of that. Tony, I think that's it. Thank goodness. So because it is late being together, I'm sure Vanessa's like, when is the boy leaving my house? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Do me a favor, keep rolling dice and taking names. Thanks for listening to this episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. And thanks to those who have left us some great reviews on iTunes, such as The Welcoming Elitist, Sam BB, and D Dream 80. And we would love it if you left us some reviews. And if so, we'll mention your name on the show. Now, I've got to hurry up and finish this thing before we get to that part where it's Brand new uh, Robinson Crusoe. I believe the street date on that one is December 7th. Don't hold me to it. I could be wrong. (laughs) We can edit that burp right out of there. I hope so. So the other day, Marty... Watching TV, you know what I saw? What? My first Christmas commercial. And it's not even Halloween yet. Oh, brutal. But it's never too late to start planning. So for all your gaming needs this Christmas, be sure to stress to your friends and family that to make sure that they go to funagain.com to get your games. Don't go to that store that may start with an A and have a Z somewhere. They don't know anything. Nick and the crew over there can definitely help those people in your family, friends, whatever, find the game that's right for you. And the games that just came out at Essen are still under pre-order, which means you can get them cheaper than what they normally will be after they come in stock. So once again, guys, funagain.com. Be sure to use RDTN in your order for the affiliate code.